on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're investigating a cold case with Lauren Kyle in Karen Perry on ITV, caught in a crossfire with Keely Hawes in, well, Crossfire on BBC One, and taking a long, hard look at the history of humanity with Diane Morgan, who slips into the skin of Philomena Kunk once more in Kunk on Earth. Plus, we're joined by Ema Kenny, the creator of Karen Perry, who stopped by the pod to talk about bringing this Karen to life. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that would like to say to the cast and creators of Better Call Saul, we appreciate you, even if the Emmys refuse to. But before we get into all things Emmys, I am not here alone, but rather joined by two other sort of like-minded TV files. On the one hand, it is Pilot TV's very own Lalo Salamanca, except the cartel could never afford a TV the size of his. It's Boyd Hilton! <laughs> Hello, very boy. good, very good. Uh, the last six episodes of Better Call Saul will be eligible for next year's They Emmys. will, yes, I know that, <laughs> I know never, that. Let's not forget. So, yeah, okay, we'll get we'll on get to that. And also with us in the hot seat is Pilots Mike Ehrmantraut, you'll never get half measures, from Kay Ribeiro. Hi. Hello. Hello, how are good. you? I'm good. I should point out to everyone, we're in a, we're in a, we're, due to a studio booking snafu, we're in a new studio this week, and the chairs are very low. <laughs> I know. And the desk... Is very high. So we have this whole hobbit thing where we're just peering over the desk at kind of head height. We could just see the tops of each other's heads. It's quite weird. I've, I'm kind of sitting on my leg and already I've stopped losing circulation. <laughs> just to give you that little bit of extra yeah, height. I've done two legs. So I will to live. Yeah, oh, you're, you're, yeah. you've got a double Doubled leg situation. Up. Maybe I should go for that. Yeah, do oh, that. It's, it's weird. I feel like, you know, in Star Wars when the little mouse guy comes up to the bar and, try, <laughs> goes, <laughs> and tries to get a drink and he's like, that's how I, how I feel. Doing this, it God, is embarrassing. It's very, we can barely see over Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a bit weird. It's yeah, a bit weird. So, weird. so what do you want to do? Shall we save the Emmys till news, or do we want to get into this shit right here, right now, uh, and talk about it? Oh, um, I mean, is there much other news? That's the question. So, you know, are we robbing Peter to pay Paul if we discuss it now? Quite possibly, because I've not actually looked at the news. <laughs> okay. So there may be no <laughs> news. Go. In which case, this will be a really short I mean, show. I've got no. There was all that. Disney announcements at that Disney event last week. Oh, the, the little Disney event. Oh, yeah. yes, D23. Yes, yeah. it's true. There was some D23 stuff, I mean, although not as much as I thought there You can be. talk us through that. And then there's like, there's Amazon Prime details this morning, I, I saw. Um, but we could talk about the Emmys. We could talk about the Emmys. Should we talk about the Emmys? Let's talk about the Emmys. First of all, Boydie, did you stay up and watch the Emmys? No, they weren't on live on um, normal uh, transmission television. So in, you watched it on Tuesday, UK. like everyone else? I watched the highlights on Tuesday, okay. yeah. I'm not that, if it, yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not that desperate to go watch an illegal, effectively, stream um, of it. Or did you? I did not watch no. the stream. No, I went to bed instead. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, but first of all, actually, I have a point to make about all ceremonies in general, which this particular um, ceremony uh, underlined more than any, I think, in recent years, including the Oscars, which is that... They had this. The design of it of the of the image this year was in, it was in this massive, vast arena kind mm. of place, and they're all sat at tables. All the all the different shows. So there was like a, you know, there was a Ted Lasso table, there was a succession table, etc. But but the host stood kind of in the middle. It was like in the round kind of thing, or semi in the round. That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. I saw pictures and there were people behind. Yeah, so there were people behind who constantly had to have an expression on their face of great interest and amusement at everything that was said, even though very little of it was interesting or amusing. Which I, I felt sorry for them. But it also under they were also looking clearly at the um, words going down on the you know the on the monitor um, for each 
presenter, etc. And then it meant that when the winners came on, and obviously they're gonna, they have a minute each, they had a minute from when they stepped on the stage, including like the dozens of people, you know, for like going on for succession and dead lasso. And it counted down, and we could see all the people behind them looking at the countdown, and everyone mentioned the countdown that they were being, they were being, you know, played, they're about to be played off, and they didn't have time to thank you, they wanted to thank. And it just became really awkward. And, and my, my point is, all award ceremony producers, just let them say what they want to fucking say. That's, you know, we're not here. We're not, the, the, the Emmy Award, there's loads of little skits and bits and the presenter doing forced, you know, <laughs> not very funny um, little moments and speechlets and, you know, this, that and the other. We don't give a shit about that. Do one or two of those bits, fine. But we do, all we want to see are the winners saying what the fuck they want to say. There's, and there's if they're going to go some, on for no, half an hour, they're not going to go on for half an hour. They're you not say that, that. They're not that mad. They, sometimes and, they'll go into like, oh, I've got to thank my chiropodist and, like, yeah, and you're like, no. Of course. <laughs> no one wants to know about but this. even that, even that, what it ends up is that they're so desperate to thank the people they want to thank. In the minute they've got, it's even more boring because they just thank people and they don't get to say anything interesting yeah, or fun. Yeah, that's true. So that it completely true. backfires in every single way. Um, so that was just, and it was just got ridiculous in this case. And, the, you know, the succession people who won the big award of the night, effectively, best drama series, they piled on stage, like 30 of them. Every, every, and they're, they're literally like, uh, Matthew McFadden was going, we've got, look, they're sorted already. We've got to speak, we've got to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the big, um, I sarcastically tweeted the day after that, um, you know, the, 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 well done to the Emmy voters, they've got everything right. Mm. Obviously they didn't. But funnily enough, if you discount Better Call Saul, which obviously they shouldn't have, then it kind of they kind of did get. Every, it's like in you know all the things that Medical Soul should have won. If you'd forget about that, then really the ones who did win subsequently are kind of the right ones. I felt generally like I'm happy that Ted Lasso won Best Comedy. I'm happy that Succession won Best Drama. Would I have preferred Medical Soul to win Best Drama over Succession? Probably, mm-hmm. but it is eligible next year. Yeah. Um, and maybe everyone's saving up their energy, <laughs> vertical sort of energy, Perhaps. I hope, I hope, for next year. But the fact they didn't win anything at all mm. is preposterous, it has to be said. I just felt like, ironically, for a show that celebrates outstanding TV drama, there was absolutely no outstanding TV drama during the Emmys. It was just oh, well, yeah. wildly yeah. predictable and a little bit boring. How that can you say my... there wasn't any outstanding drama? He means like, the, show, the show, as in the show, the, the Emmys show. themselves oh, featured right. no outstanding fine, drama. Fine. I was like, because what it was like, oh look, you? Succession has won outstanding drama series. Fuck me, I never saw that coming. Mm. Uh, yeah, but the, the best bit, James, you're right that there was no drama. There was some, um, there were some amusing moments. Jennifer Coolidge, who quite rightly won supporting actress in a limited series or TV movie for her role in The White Lotus, and who is an absolute legend, mm. she was brilliant. So she came on, she just kind of. She said, referred to the countdown. She's like, I don't care. When they started playing the music, she's like dancing to the music, to the playoff music. Um, and she was just brilliant. Like, she's a legend. She is a legend and she lived up to her legendary status. <laughs> so, you know, there were those moments where some of the winners were were funny, entertaining enough. Brett Goldstein was great. You know, mm. he did the thing, a stick about how last year they he swore so much during his speech that his family watching at home, they delayed it so much they couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't catch what he said. So he said, this time I'm not going to swear. And then he, right at the end he went, so fucking hell, I'm so glad we won. Yeah. Um, so he was really good. So there were, like, the, the, the lovely moments were, Abba Elementary, this watching actress who won that was, was just... Still haven't seen that. Yeah, it's good. It's a good show. I mean, is it as good as Hacks or Maisel or Ted Lasso? No, but it, it, you know, I mean, it's a good show. So 
Is it worth mentioning? So, so the way the Emmys work, the entire voting body votes for the program categories. Yeah. But the individual categories are voted by relevant people. So writers vote for writers, actors vote for actors, et cetera, et cetera. So, so again, it seems like every awards ceremony has its own particular special source, unique formula for how mm. they put these together. But in theory, you would think that this would highlight maybe more sort of like overlooked things. If writers are specifically looking at writers, you might think that genuinely good writing... I'm not saying you didn't. I'm not, I'm not throwing shade here. I'm just saying you'd think that, feels like you might that things that writers really appreciate would surface rather than just the stuff that everyone's seen, if that makes but sense. But Succession's so well written, so... It is. I'm not arguing with that. Should we go through the categories, in fact? Because right. obviously we're talking about this thing we haven't said. So, Outstanding Drama Series, Winner Succession. Uh, I don't Tick. think... I, it was either going to go there or Better Call Saul, and obviously they're saving Saul for next year. Now, if Saul doesn't win next year, we're going to have words mm, so yeah. you know we'll see how that goes I'm sure they're quaking in their boots I'm sure they are <laughs> Outstanding Comedy Series uh, Ted Lasso unsurprisingly yeah. uh, that one's there over Hacks over Curb over Barry over Abbott Elementary and all these various other things Outstanding Limited Series The White Lotus Lead Adrian a Drama Series Lee Jung Jae for Squid Game Which, and that's that's the first time <laughs> non-American yeah uh, has won and and you know for I think that's a brilliant thing you know I mean he's very good in that. apart from the fact that he's committed against Bob Odenkirk the greatest Brian yeah. Cox the second greatest yeah. um, Jeremy Strong in that category Adam Scott for Severance so as that well, was an so. amazing win I have to say yeah um, and and he is brilliant in that show and so and it was a lovely moment he was he was fantastic again he, his his acceptance speech was 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 really lovely and moving so even though I am annoyed by Bob Odenkirk didn't win. Oh, please better win next year. He better do. But it's still yeah. a lovely thing. That, so I can't get that angry about it in this particular case. Uh, writing for a drama series, Jesse Armstrong for Succession yeah. specifically, yeah. All the Bells Say, an episode I clearly haven't seen. Is, was it good? I can't, rem- which one I can't remember which one that is. Excellent. Like, who knows what the titles are? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I can look it up. outstanding achievement. Uh, directing for a comedy series, MJ Delaney for Ted Lasso, yes, No Weddings and a Funeral. And we, yeah. MJ Delaney is the sister of former editor of Heat magazine, Sam Delaney. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And also gave a great speech where basically yes. she went up, accepted the award and said, look, no one wants to hear what non-famous people who they want to thank. <laughs> so she thanked like a couple of, she thanked the channel and the, you know, the network yeah. and then she just went off yeah. and I thought that was quite cool but Fair interesting point. to note that I was A amazed that they included that in the in the transmission but quite rightly but interesting because in the BAFTAs they do not in, the directing awards mm. in the BAFTAs are it shuffled off into the technical whatever it's called the creative mm. awards like you know the two weeks uh, before it's not even in the main BAFTA ceremony so at least you know if the Emmys can include directing you know and writing in his main ceremony yeah. then you'd have thought the BAFTAs could do that as well as my only message to show them. some respect yeah to writing directing yeah, yeah. Lead actress in the comedy series, Jean Smart for Hacks. I think that's an absolutely correct decision. Fair. Absolutely fair. Lead Although, actress, yeah, Don, go on. I would have put, we'll get to it, but I would have personally put Ray Seahorn in the lead actress category. She's in, she's in the, I mean, she didn't win either, but she's in supporting actress, but carry on. Yeah. All right, well, we're getting it. So lead actress in the drama series was Zendaya for Euphoria, again, uh, winning out over everyone else. But yes, you're right, Ray Seahorn wasn't in lead actress in the drama no. series at all. I'd forgotten about that, which is deranged. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't watched enough of Euphoria to say. I've I mean, been distracted by all the dicks. But uh, She's amazing. She, she, she's I, very I, good. I would, not, I would not quibble with that. Yeah. Directing for a drama series, Huang Dong Hyuk for Squid Game Red Light, Green Light. Oh, that's a very good episode, Red Light, Green Light. Yeah, it's a good uh, episode. Hard to argue with that. Writing for a comedy series, Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary, The Pilot. Haven't seen it, can't comment. Uh, boy, you've watched Abbott Elementary. Yeah, it's a good show. Mm. I mean, 
Um, I've only watched a couple of episodes, and personally, I would have gone for Any Murders in the Building, which was nominated. But it's a lovely show. It's kind. It's kind of. It's slightly sentimental. I would say. Mm. Um, uh, vote. Nothing wrong with that. I know. I know. Well, speaking of Any Murders in the Building, both Steve Martin and Martin Short were beaten out by Jason Sudeikis. Uh, I nearly said beaten off by Jason Sudeikis, <laughs> which would have made very interesting television uh, for Ted Lasso because uh, Sudeikis won. Yeah, I mean. Fair enough. I love, I love Sudeikis. I love Ted Lasso. I love Sudeikis. I love Steve Martin and Martin Short even more. But Ted Lasso is the, is the showier and more emotional. I role. mean, there's an argument that Ted Lasso isn't a comedy anymore. Right. But, yeah. You know. Exactly. Uh, Bill Hader. I mean, let's put in a, you know, yeah. um, uh, Bill Hader and Barry also didn't win. <laughs> but, also you know, A lot of people furious about Beth. I mean, will be furious about She that, will be furious. Too, so. Yeah. Writing for a variety special, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the winner of that, Jared Carmichael for Rothaniel, which I mentioned ages ago on the on this podcast, he he won the red carpet because he won this like white fake fur kind of Ooh, overcoat fabulous. on no shirt. The no shirt look is getting increasingly popular among yeah. American young stars, etc. Yeah, you should go for that look next time. Yeah, James. I will do. <laughs> yeah, writing for a limited series and directing for a limited series, both to Mike White for The White Lotus. Correct. So lots of White like Lotus that. fun there. Uh, lead actress in a limited series, Amanda Seyfried for The Dropout. She was very good in that. I didn't enjoy the show, but she was very She's good. She's brilliant, yeah. Sporting actress in a limited series, Jennifer Coolidge, as we Correct. said for The White Lotus. Yes, lots of fun. I'm skipping over variety things. Sorry. Supporting actor in a comedy <laughs> series, Brett Goldstein, the legendary Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. Very, very good. Yeah. Um, quite a few Ted Lassos in there. Nick Mahomet was in there. Tahib Jomo was in there. Um, but he came emerged victorious. Uh, supporting actress in a comedy series, Cheryl Lee Ralph. Albert Elementary supporting actress in a drama series Julia Garner for Ozark her last shout to get a nod for Ozark now so. that is this is the this is the case Ray Seahorn was in this category and a lot of BCS Spectacle Soul fans like me furious that she didn't win but do you know what I'm, I'm in, when we get we'll save it for I'll save it for the what we're watching section but Julia Garner has to be said is phenomenal in Ozark she is absolutely brilliant so it, it I'm not actually that surprised that she won. She managed to beat all the succession women as well, Sarah Snook and Jay Smith Cameron, who are both phenomenal as well. But people, everyone, Ozark fans, she's the, she is the MVP of Ozark. Yeah. But then I suppose this is this is Ozark's equivalent of what next year will be for yeah. Better Call Saul, which yeah. is the mm-hmm. last hurrah. So yeah. you've got to think that Ray Seahorn wins next year. But we'll I'm see. excited about this next category, this, the winner. Supporting actor in a drama series, <laughs> yeah. Matthew Mafadian as Tom Wamsgam. Oh my God. In succession. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well deserved. <laughs> Beating out or beating off, whichever you prefer. <laughs> really, the whole cast of uh, of Succession in there and Severance. So, what do we have? We have Nicholas yeah. Braun and Kieran Culkin for Succession, and then John Turturro, Christopher Walken, both for Severance. So, a lot of lot of lot of S game in that category. Um, in fact, every single show in supporting actor drama series begins with the letter S, apart from the morning show. <laughs> I was going to say no, it doesn't apart from the apart from the show. morning show. <laughs> Well, we, know all, we know all Apple shows speak with us anyway. That's true, so that's true. It's the, the secret sauce. <laughs> Supporting actor in a limited TV series or whatnot, uh, Murray Bartlett for The White Very Lotus. delighted by that win, as as particularly will be Beth, who's obsessed with Murray Bartlett in The White Lotus quite quietly, but that was brilliant. There are a lot of categories I'm starting to realise yeah. now. Lead actor in a limited series, Michael Keaton for Dope Sick. He was very good in that. Yes. Uh, bleak as hell, that show, but he was excellent in it. Outstanding documentary or non-fiction series, The Beatles Get Back. Um... And uh, is there anything it's, else? No, it's in all here? the variety no. categories. Although now. last week tonight did win another Emmy, which is great because it's fantastic. And shout out to my friend Ben Winston for the fact that Adele won that only one for Variety Special, and he gone to the stage, Kate, and made the speech and was absolutely brilliant. 
Very good. I'm I've a known fan Ben. Of ben. Yeah. I've known Ben for like decades, James, and uh, you know, like from when he was doing. He's also an Arsenal supporter. Filming. That's what you need to know. Also, yeah. Yeah. Okay. When, okay. when I met him, when he was filming like EPK stuff for Teachers on Channel Four and you Electronic know, Press Kit, and he has become the award-winning director, and he goes on stage at the Emmys, and I'm in this little fucking room doing a podcast. What's wow. It was amazing how you turned his success down yeah. to about you. But yeah. yes, you managed to do that. Yeah. Well, it's just a comparison. <laughs> As yeah. he's, work. He is transformed into a gigantic legend. I wondered where you were going with that. And I was like, oh no. No, I'm just saying I'm still doing the same shit. Mm. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. He's on stage receiving an Emmy and you're in a room with me and Kay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're the, actually the bigger it. winner, I'd yeah. say. That's right. Yeah. I think yeah, so. I don't know. Uh, also, you know, you're you're with uh, karaoke star James Dyer, as oh, evidenced by the fact okay. that I did right. as karaoke promised, icon. That's it. Listen, I did release the Dyer cut as yes. promised last Monday. Now I have to say, it very much felt like watching um, country and western <laughs> X Factor. <laughs> the way the way that you were gripping and almost making love to that microphone, like he, he would occasionally pull away from it, go back to it. I was like, oh my god, this is like watching X Factor. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I couldn't sit through it. I'm not surprised none can I. I, 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 I watched I it for two seconds. Oh, I couldn't even manage two. I think yeah. I watched it for <laughs> it a microsecond, then I, I, I folded within myself but, in, in excruciation <laughs> and embarrassment and um, never, never emerged no, the other side. Listen, I've got to give James props on something. Is that if you're going to do it, really do it. And he oh. did, that's the thing. Like with karaoke, yeah. you can't be, oh, you know, like, oh, just like think. So, you know, you acting, like you, yeah, acting like an actual country and western star. Acting like an actual country and western. Putting the cunt in country and western is what you're saying. I did not say that. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you went for it and I appreciate that. Do I want to see it again? Absolutely not. But you fulfilled your promise of putting it up there for your ritual humiliation. Has it grown your um, follower count? About two followers. I think think a few people possibly followed me to watch it and then a lot more unfollowed me as soon as I put it up. No, I don't know. No, who does that? Who's got the energy to Anyone who's got ears who watched James. I mean, it, 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 it was it was an assault on the senses and not in a good it way. It was. I, I I felt uncomfortable afterwards. Yeah, I felt violated. <laughs> but a shower it helped out. and it was fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, anyway, let's move on from the karaoke to what we've been watching this week. What have we been watching this week? Do you know what I haven't watched? No. I'm ashamed to say I've had an incredibly busy week. I have not watched a single second of Fate the Wink Saga, so I kill, oh still can't god. tell you if season two lived up to the hype of Shocked. season one. So I am winksless. Are you Be- keeping up with um, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of the Lord? Do you know <laughs> Lord of the Rings, The Rings of the Lord? Uh, do you know what? It's funny. So they were talking about this in the office about how it's like the third episode. Mm. It all kicks off in the third episode. And it all gets a bit battly. But I don't know because I've not watched it yet. No, me neither. Because no. I've had a lot of uh, screeners to get through. So I've not been able to keep up with mm. a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I, do, I must say, like, it's, it's, I like the fact that we are living in a world where we have House of the Dragon and Rings of Power and we have two very, very different, sort of almost like the opposite ends of the fantasy spectrum shows out there. Mm. Both you know lavishly produced big budget all the money on the screen very very distinctly different and I think it's a, it's a great time to be a nerd so that's great it's a great time to be you to be me yeah mm. it's a great time to be me so I'm enjoying both of those and I will catch up with luckily I'm ahead on House of the Dragon so I don't have to keep up to date on that but uh, yes I'm going to watch the, the new Rings of Power tonight when I get in I'm excited about that yeah same 
Um, well, I've been watching. Uh, yeah, Boyd, what have you been watching? You, <laughs> but um, we couldn't review it last week because because of uh, embargo situation, and we had um, Felia Lovey Bond on as the guest. So mix, um, mix our, the fate saga. Mix the fate saga exactly is um, has started on the uh, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, and uh, it's really good. I heard it. I heard it's heavy on the D. Heavy on oh, the penis. Lots of dick yeah. action. Yeah. But to be fair, I mean. Euphoria, for example, has lots of penises, right? And it became famous. We for have it. discussed the pen count yeah, in the past, have, yes. But this Minx is actually about the creation of a magazine with penises in it. Oh, yeah. How would you do so, it without? Yeah. I mean, so they literally have be, a naked centerfold. Yeah, it would be so. absurd if you're yeah. creating a series about the phenomenon yeah. of a women's version of Playboy. Basically, it's with centrifuges, all about the D, isn't it? Yeah. Centrifuges and men with their yeah. penises out. To not show that would have been insane. So, thankfully, they took the creative. But more than that, I mean, there is a, there's a hilarious scene in I think the first episode. I watched a couple of episodes where they're auditioning men for mm-hmm. the for the for the head centerfold, and there's just a, an endless series of men <laughs> showing them their penis, basically. And they're like, "Oh, whoa, no!" Like, it's very diverse, is what I'd very say. Very diverse yeah. array of penises, but it's really funny because. It's like an audition situation, and they're all lined up. The people who work on the magazine, like giving their their reaction to each penis, and it's hilarious. But the bigger picture of the whole show does deal with sex and sexuality and um, attitudes towards women in the early seventies. And you know, like Gloria Steinem is a character in the show, for example, um, and in a really interesting like three-dimensional way. Mm. So um, it's not just like a kind of simple... I mean, it is a, definitely a feminist series, but it's not just a simplistic kind of message. It's, mm. it's inc- it, Above all, it's really entertaining and funny. It's yeah. a half-hour comedy that happens to be about the creation of a magazine about naked men. And um, it explores all the different amusing, comedic offshoots from that concept very well. The thing I most enjoyed about it was uh, Olivia, uh, not Ophelia Lovey Bond and mm. Jake Johnson's Jake uh, dyna- great, yeah. their dynamic together, the way they bounce off each other. And yeah, I thought they really made it for me. Yeah, agreed, totally. Has it been the year of the D in terms yeah, of TV? I, mean, so, I like how you've been coquettish with that. You're not saying... Well, and cocks akimbo. So, yeah. No, so basically we were, we had a, a meeting, an Empire meeting yesterday. We were pitching ideas for the review of the year feature that we'll get to at some point. Uh, and it was suggested that we do have a kind of a, a dick gallery, like the best, and mm. just so that we could use the headline, makes members sense. only. <laughs> oh, makes sense. very good. Yeah. Oh, I nearly ruined your little You did. You Sorry. just talked straight over my punchline. <laughs> You're the worst boy. You're oh, the worst. Don't be You'll that guy, boy. Dick in our dick yeah. gallery. Yeah. yeah, no, but it makes total sense because there was the talking, moving one yeah, in yeah. Um, Pam in and that. Tommy. Pam and Tommy. You've got the prehensile dick <laughs> in uh, in the the herogasm. Yes, those are the boys. The boys. There's there's like euphoria. There's yeah. fifteen oh, in every I episode. Think Pam and like. I always call it Pammy and, and Tom. Yeah. Pammy and Tom. <laughs> yeah. um, that one would have to. I mean, talking dick. Does it get? Yeah, of course. But what? But you're. T- but you, you've got to do that. It's got to be at least a spread. Maybe you could do like a yeah. ten-page pullout. Yeah, <laughs> it would have to be a fold-out, so definitely. Uh, the dick factor. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Members um, only. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It is so true. It's, other stuff I've I've watched, by the way. Um, I so the imperfect. I was going to say, did yes, you watch it? I have watched the imperfect. Yeah. So this is the what show is it? dropped on Netflix. YA dropped on fam- Netflix. YA. Yeah. Netflix did not. Uh, uh, trumpet it or advertise it at yeah. all or we'd have done it last week <laughs> yeah we done. We might have done it last week um, it wasn't even made available at all and, and so I, I watched it it's already arrived it's kind of a Canadian was it imperfect void um, oh James no that would have been your <laughs> intro been, if yeah. we'd have reviewed it um, it isn't it is imperfect to be fair it's it's about it's a kind of YA fantasy thing about three um, teenagers who 
are, who have been experimented on when they were kids by a scientist. And now the results of that experimentation is coming home to roost. And the three of them have got different um, superpowers, basically. One of them, one woman, has attracts everyone to her because of her pheromone. She has extremely, Ooh. yeah. Um, this guy, um, he, the young guy, goes out at night and basically hunts. He, he turns into a ravenous beast. <laughs> yeah, basically. So... Um, I have to say, I, it's it's perfectly entertaining and enjoyable. It feels very derivative. It's a bit like being human meets misfits, is what I would describe it as, but American, since Seattle. Hmm. Um, it's it's it, the dialogue's very hipster, teen, and it's quite good from that point of view. It's quite amusing and funny, um, and the three central characters are fairly interesting. It's just not quite. It doesn't feel special enough. I've only watched one episode, um, but. It's 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 got. I can see why people are into it already because it's got a lot of like the things that people enjoy about YA things. <laughs> That's a terrible sentence, um, but it's but it's likable. Is what I'd say. It's very likable, very derivative. I'm not sure if I'm desperate to carry on watching it yet. To be fair, you're not the target audience, are you? Um, no, but well, I'm probably part. I mean, anyone who likes, you know, there's plenty of team for. I mean, I like Misfits and Being Human, mm. but um, I thought both of those were more original. Than they were superior. Yeah, I mean, because those were years and years ago now. Um, and there's a lot of other YA fantasy that this kind of vaguely vaguely um, reminds me of as well. Um, but, you know, I might persevere with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I have watched that. And the other thing I was going to say is I am re- getting back on board with Ozark. Um, it's about time. It's I stopped watching it after a couple of seasons, pretty much. And everyone's, What's made you jump back in? The fact that everyone's talking about how the, the, the end, it got better and better as it went along. It, the final season um, went out earlier this year on Netflix. Mark Kermode, to be brutally honest with you, was talking, just talking about last week on his um, podcast with Simon Mayo, um, which they do film and TV now, which makes it a slight rival to this one. But, you know, we're above that. Yeah, okay? so we're, we're all friends Netflix. here. We're all friends here. And to hear Mark, Mark Kermode absolutely, I mean, Mark Kermode is obsessed with Better Call Saul. He, he did a brilliant review the previous week of Better Call Saul. And then this week he did, uh, in the TV kind of review slot, he did Ozark and talked about how um, brilliantly entertaining and thrilling it is. And I've gone back already like two or three episodes in and it is incredibly addictive. And I forgot, completely forgot how brilliant everyone is in it. Julia Garner, has, as we've already discussed, won the Emmy and that is that she is a br- brilliant in that in that role in that show. Um, Laura Linney, you know, the whole thing, it's, it's just a fantastic program. It's it's a little bit Breaking Badish and a little bit Better Call Saulish, but it's more kind of... It's less. It's slightly less experimental, and you know, it's 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 more straightforward. I'd say, as as a kind of crime saga, but really unbelievably entertaining and compulsive and addictive. So I I'm preparing myself for a few weeks of Ozark, major Ozark action, if I can find the time in between all the I other mean, shit. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> no, no, that's fair no. enough. Um, well, I've been watching guys because I know you're like mostly desperate to know. Um. Something that neither of you will like and might be a bit scrunchy-faced about, Virgin River on Netflix. Now, I was in need of some feel-good TV and a friend had recommended it and so I thought, you know what, let's just check it out. It is cheesy in parts, but I have to say it does uh, fulfil my requirement of just feel-good. It's a romantic drama set in Canada, LA midwife, um goes to live there after her husband dies and there's a burgeoning romance between her and um, the guy who runs the local bar called Jack. And yes, I'm very invested in it now. It's just, it's, it's just fun. It's nice. It's 
comfort watching. So yeah, I've been watching that. Um, also, it's got an older couple uh, romance, which I always think is quite nice, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not the preserve of the young. <laughs> no, it's slightly patronising, isn't it? Yeah, I know. But how many t- how many shows do you see where it's actually a big focal point? Oh, completely. Yeah, that is a huge show for Netflix. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's massive. Yeah, it's one of. Can the... I go on a set visit? Um, no. Uh, uh, but well, you can try. I don't see you sending any emails there, Boyd. You just said no without even. Yeah, yeah. Just, just dismissed it. Yeah. As my emails. PA. Um, Jesus. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big. It's well, it's it's deliberate. It's kind of deliberately, kind of slightly easy viewing kitchen, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not going to win an Emmy, but yeah. it it you know it does what it says on the tin, and it was good for me. Sorry if I was patronising about the older romance there, but I just, <laughs> it's no, funny. No, I do feel I mean, bad. I feel bad about that, but I just think I think it's good. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've been watching is Inside Man, which I can't review. It's Stephen Moffat's new drama thriller, nay, um, with nay. nay with David Tennant and Stanley Tucci in it. Um, very much a two-story thriller, um, which is very intriguing, compelling. But that's all I will say about it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hosting the uh, Q and A for that next week. Of course, Started. you are. I might come to that because I want to see Tooch in the flesh. You're not allowed to come to that. I'm coming to it. No. I am. So, because uh, I love Stanley Tucci, as does everyone. As does everyone. Yes. yes. You're not alone in that yeah, particular. Yeah, yeah. So, um, he's really good in it. So, yeah, that's what I've been watching. Well, I've got the first four episodes of Andor, but I absolutely cannot talk about them because they are heavily embargoed mm. until, uh, as we go out Monday, I think it's embargoed too, I want to say Wednesday, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it is Wednesday. You're allowed, so. to, you're allowed to talk about it on social media, I noticed. So I could tweet, like, like, I could do yeah. a Twitter thread. Yeah, you could do like... Doing an in-depth <laughs> yeah. review, but yeah. I can't talk about it on the podcast. And isn't, isn't podcasts a social media in some ways, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it is. No, but that's, that's ridiculous. I, would, I think you should redefine it as social media and just review it now. Yeah, and just, just go through it. I think it you need but to talk watched, to someone about that, because that's crazy. It's mad. Have you watched? You've watched all four episodes. I can neither confirm nor deny that I've watched all four episodes of Andor. I mean, four episodes they sent out. Yes, they have sent four episodes. Because it's long, isn't it? It's like how many episodes? Like twelve episodes or something. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a longer one. It yeah. is a longer one. And that, aren't that forty-five minutes to an hour? Well, it, stop and, asking him questions. No, yeah, stop asking me questions to violate the embargo, boy. He looks really nervous. Uh, I've never seen him does, like this. Sweating. Yeah. Yes. Well, the trailer he for Andor. Well, I'm not getting into this. Uh, <laughs> Well, I will say from the trailers, legitimately from the trailers, I can say this uh, it is is just it. I I celebrate the fact that we are no longer on that fucking LED volume. That's all I'm going to say because I'm I'm oh, I, yeah. Obi Wan has turned me on Listeners, that so okay. badly. I have a real beer mob on about that fucking volume. With you have to explain what it is. Yeah. Okay. So everyone listening to this must know because I'm sure I've banged on about it so many times. Explain it to me then. So, okay. So you know the volume that obviously, which is the soundstage they use for the CG generation. Yeah, stuff. Exactly. It's called a volume. <laughs> yeah, it's called it's a volume. Like, like right. I believe it was created for Avatar. The first Avatar oh, was yeah. was where it comes from. It's a big. So it's a performance capture room. But instead of having it as green screen, they have LED walls. So it's got LED walls, LED ceiling, and just banks of LEDs. So instead of having like a green screen where they comp in the background afterwards, they have the background and they bring it onto the LED walls. So it's oh, essentially good. happening. So the actors are able to respond to the digital background in mm-hmm. real time. And if you've got, say, a big old silver Mandalorian armor, then you get the proper lighting. It's not reflecting. You don't get weird green stuff. So I think it makes their lives a lot easier. So what's your issue with it? My issue with it all the way through Mando was there is no issue with it. I was absolutely fine with it. And I never even really noticed it. My issue with it was when we got to Obi-Wan Kenobi, I found it so glaringly obvious that it was intrusive. It's just that it was just so clear 
that they were on this stage, it bugged the shit out of me. And I think part of it was the delineation between foreground and background, where they'd get like a ficus and a couple of yucca plants and sort of put it at the edge of the screen so you <laughs> couldn't see the join. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'd be like, come on, guys. Like It feels a little bit like a school production or something. So would you prefer it on green screen? screen? Do you know what I might do? I was saying this earlier, like even when George Lucas did the whole of Attack of the Clones in like a green room on green boxes, it felt to me more enveloping than Obi-Wan did because I everything about that show, an expensive show, felt cheap to me. Like really cheap to me, and it bugged Bloody the hell. shit out of me. No one cares about this as much as James. Yeah, so I, I, I can't tell you how much this bothers me. Very so, hard man to please as well. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Totally and whereas obviously you know get to Andor and it's location, 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 and I'm like, yes, yes, mate, give it's me got, the location. It's got Kirsty and Phil in it. Yeah, yes, oh, that's good right. One. I don't know who they are. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, love Kirsty and Phil. Are they members of the rebellion? <laughs> location, location, location goes to Andor. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, your anger about what the volume yeah. thing. Why is it called that, yeah. by the way? Why is it called the volume? Yeah. Well, I don't know, because it's, it's voluminous, Boyd. Oh, okay. It's voluminous. Um, is very amusing to me that you're so obsessed. I didn't even notice it, I have to say. Oh, until see. you, but no, I can't no, see anything. But. Until you pointed <laughs> yeah, it out. Yeah, no, I've ruined it for you. You've ruined it for Yeah, now you have fucking ruined it. Now, like, oh, he's right. It's okay, all, good. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad I was able to ruin the, uh, <laughs> the Obi-Wan series for you. Uh, yeah. Should we move on to our pilot TV post bag? Oh, yeah. I think I think New we should. New slot, hey, new feature. Yeah. Now, yeah, once again, I've not had a chance to triage the messages in advance, so we're just going to fucking wing it <laughs> and see how this goes. I'm just going to observe. All right, so Darren Huckabee says, long-time listener, has a TV show as consistently good as Better Call Saul never won an Emmy? How can a near-perfect TV show never win out of 46 nominations? Mm. I mean... Mm. That's that's just the nature of award shows, isn't it? You know, ask Martin Scorsese. How long did it take him to win an Oscar? Uh, I mean, it happens. Listen, but, uh, it happens every year at the National TV Awards. What, right? And that's <laughs> entirely Boyd's fault, as we've discussed, yes, discussed yes, in the past. Yes. Well, has, in, did, well has broken, did Broken Bag win it? Broken Bag. Broken, <laughs> broken Bag. <laughs> broken Bag. Broken Boyd. The secret, yeah. <laughs> he yes. says, just looking it up, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad wins. Um, I don't know how many Emmys won, yeah, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it is getting quite ridiculous. But you know what? I think the problem with it is, if I'm brutally, being brutally honest, for example, I think it's, the fact that Ozark did win in the acting category, um, uh, Julia Garner over Ray Seahorn, I think just more people watch um, Ozark, for example, than Better Saul. I think Better Saul is still, still, still oh, yeah. a I'm, relatively niche Yeah, I'm um, with you, but I think Ozark show. is as well. No, I because think Ozark was more mainstream. It's got, it's got, it's, it's more mainstream. You say that, you see, Ozark is one of these things where they talk about how many people watch it and it feels much more uh, accessible to people than Better Saul and more people watch it. Yet I have never met a person who watches Ozark. I don't know why, but like I've literally never well, met someone who watches those. Two to you today, me. <laughs> you watch and, and Mark Kermode. Mark Kermode. Um, okay, so Mark Kermode watches those. Yeah. That's the only person I've ever met. Oh, who I know. I, I've met a lot. But by the way, Breaking Bad did actually win a lot of Emmys. He won sixteen primetime Emmys, fifty-eight nominations. Mm-hmm. He won Outstanding Drama in two thousand thirteen and two thousand fourteen. So, yeah. but then uh, equally, like that, I would say competition is a lot stiffer now than it was when yes. Breaking Bad was on. In terms of sort of prestige things that are award worthy, it feels like you know you would have throw a cat you'd hit 15 shows that are all deserving of an Emmy so I think it's, it's, it's don't throw cats don't throw cats they land on their feet it's fine um, so yeah it's I, mm. I imagine it's difficult but I mean it is like Better Call Saul is a masterful thing 
But yeah. equally, it isn't for everyone. And as we've discussed before, you know, it, it isn't the easiest thing to access. And it actually kind of ties into uh, another question that we've got. Stephen's mm-hmm. uh, so come smooth. through on... That's a good transition. <laughs> sending on Twitter, basically saying, which shows do you think have had bad first seasons but got hugely better from their second season onwards? For example, the first season of Buffy is generally quite ropey but becomes the masterpiece it is during the second season. Uh, and he wants to know what the prime is. I mean, there's loads of them. Yeah. Fair Medical Source first season, to be fair, is not bad. No. It's just... It's a bit of a slog for me. Uh, it's it's deliberately paced. It's deliberate. Yes, it's not yeah. ponderous. It's no. deliberate. Um, it's still, in fact, I think it would bear a good rewatch because I'm sure now that you know, I haven't got that kind of time. Yeah, but just setting the whole scene and establishing a whole different world, if you like, was it did very meticulously. Yeah, and it didn't feel as instantly compelling as Breaking Bad did mm. when that started. But there's loads of comedies, particularly like famously Parks and Rec. Yeah. Terrible. Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. I was Shits just Creek, about to yeah. say Shit's Creek, and not that it was terrible, but I think it took at least half a season for it to really get going and get the momentum and the love for the characters. So, I think if you haven't more, watched, yeah. I would say you like. No, I think by the end of the first season. Mm, for me, if you haven't watched it, everyone should get on it. But just bear in mind that you do need yeah. to give it a, bit of a chance. Seinfeld was pretty. Basic to begin with. I never made it through the first season of Seinfeld because oh, I started trying to watch it from the beginning because oh, I yeah, knew how much you loved it, and I was like, season three, straight to season three. Whereas I still maintain Friends, the first two seasons are the best. The first two seasons, yeah. really? Yeah, because really? when Chandler was at his funniest, and also I quite um, like Mar- Marcel the monkey. <laughs> uh, Chandler used to be my favourite character, and then as I, you know, yeah. later on, it, it was now Ross. Ross. It yeah, becomes Ross, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But that's because I think like Chandler as a character, he. It, like, he loses a lot of what he loses a lot of his edge mm-hmm. as that show goes on whereas Ross I think they realise how much Schwimmer is just this incredibly gifted physical comedian they yeah. just gave him more and more to do I mean the leather trousers oh my say god no the more. leather trousers <laughs> I almost want to buy tan. leather trousers just to do that <laughs> no, we'd like to see that yeah, ne- yeah. Your next karaoke that'll be my next thing yeah. I'll release it on oh my Instagram god. stories in a week <laughs> me trying to put on leather trousers leather trousers is just too much yeah. yeah I will have to pluck my eyeballs out that's fair that seems entirely fair um all right, so yes, I would say to answer that question, yes, lot, lots of shows pick up over time, and, and you know, and I think it's, but I think it's increasingly difficult for shows like that to get traction because you know, will they get cancelled? If they don't mm. get cancelled, will they find an audience? Because I kind of feel like with so much choice at the moment, it's asking a lot to persist with something that's like however many hours long, just for it to get good. Yeah, uh, I have actually very low tolerance for it. Except for you surprise Creek. me, Kay. <laughs> no, because there is so much competition. So I think you don't have yeah, that There's luxury. so many Kardashians, so little time. Oh, whatever. Actually, James, you <laughs> haven't fulfilled that promise, have you? Yeah, hey, no, we haven't. We, right haven't, we have not set the terms of the challenge. Well, the terms were you have to watch the show. I mean, that's uh, the start so, and the no, finish. So, of it. Okay, like, you know. Kay, clearly you do not understand how this works at all. So, no, mm-hmm. you have to specify an episode, a specific episode. The first episode of the new series. Right. And which then drops on the 22nd of September. I have to specify. An episode of a show that you have to watch. No, that's not how it works. Yeah, it is how it works. It's quid pro quo, oh, no. okay? Boy, I tell you things, you tell boy, me. Boy, no, well, so he doesn't know the terms, my terms and conditions. I mean, you're going to have to fight this out among yourselves, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, Boyd's on my side, fine. <laughs> is he now? I mean, is I would. I, I, I'm very much looking forward to James having to watch an hour of Kardashian. Yeah. I'm not as if it's a fucking hour. I thought at maximum 25 minutes. No, no, no. How you're do they drag that shit out for an hour? Right, have you ever seen it, James? <laughs> of course not, but it's not even but scripted. But you're calling it shit without watching it. I mean, oh, I, I very, feel I'm on fairly safe ground. Mm. I wouldn't say it's shit. 
It might not be to your taste. Really? I mean, I, I feel reasonably comfortable saying it. It might not be at your shit. taste. It's the greatest. <laughs> they do a lot of stuff on green screen, so you should love it. Do they? Yeah. Do they? Are they on the, are they on the LED volume? Is that how they shoot it? Definitely yeah. in the volume. I'll be like, no, move yeah, that no. fucking ficus. I'm anyway, not having it. Just to conclude, it's not the only show I like. I know you're using it as a stick to beat me with. But... And, and we'll continue to do so, mm-hmm. yes. Fine. Yeah. Inevitably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. We've got time for another couple more. James Heal says, question for the pod. What are the worst shows you've hate watched to the end this year? Uh, he doesn't mean single episodes. He means he means he means hate watch the entire show. Mm-hmm. For his money, he sat through suspicion on Apple, uh, despite every episode telling his partner how much the show was annoying him. I get that actually, but suspicion started really well. That was that was the opposite of what we've been talking about earlier, where suspicion started really like fast. It came in hot. You know, it was really exciting, and then it just sort of petered out, and it got more tedious as it went along. And then you just kind of you felt like you had to finish it, but you didn't want to. I've got to be honest. I've just stopped watching anything that I haven't. Enjoyed. Well, you just stop. In no matter how many hours you've ploughed into the series, you just stop. Yeah, I do as well, I think. Really? Usually, yeah. Well, there's not enough time in the world. Like, why would you keep on watching? Like, quite often I know by the first episode if it's something I want to keep watching, right? Like, I stopped watching Suspicion, for example. Like, I stopped watching Ridley. Let's not talk about that. You know, but I stopped. You know, I'm not going to then watch the next few episodes just to confirm that I it's not to my yeah so it's the sunk cost fallacy isn't it it's that whole thing that I do with poker isn't it good money after bad that just because you've put like $100 in the pot Empire Poker Games do not ever get $100 in the pot not least if we pay with pounds but uh, but I'm just saying is you know it, you, you have to cut your losses you have to walk yeah. away from the table whereas I, I find if you've watched like multiple seasons of something like so Motherland Fort Salem great example I hate watched that final season of Motherland Fort Salem even though I didn't enjoy any of it oh I keep on thinking it means Motherland no not that Motherland yeah, but, no. so the one with the shouty witches I watched the shouty oh, witches God. show okay. Because I'd invested so much into it, I just thought, do you know what? It's the final season. I can make it through ten hours of the final season. To yeah, find I out get that ends. because you've invested so much time. Yeah. But if you've only watched one episode, oh fuck it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah, I'm out. Hundred percent out. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> we are completely agree. But you haven't answered the question. So, what have you hate watched? Well, I haven't. haven't. That's no, the whole point. Hate watch is nothing or I everything. I'll tell you what I hate watched recently. Not to the end. Your karaoke video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh that's harsh. Like, yeah, I mean, haven't watched harsh. it to the end. No, no, I couldn't watch it. I respect you for not watching it. Yeah. Well, what, what, what have you watched? Hate watch to the end. Well, he said that. Motherland would be the one that I would say. But I've given up on a lot of a lot of shows. I suppose the one. I suppose the obvious example for me is is the Sandman. In a way, because that's not a hate watch; it's a fucking work of art. No, I know, but I didn't like it to yeah, start with. Does that make true. it quite clear? And I did carry on watching it mainly because I wanted to almost find out for myself what what was so bloody supposed to be so good, good about it that you were banging yeah. on about you and bloody your bloody good about it. <laughs> so bloody bloody good about it. And I did end up preferring, thinking it was better than I thought it was initially. So yeah, it wasn't a hate watch, but that's as close as I've got. I would say to ploughing on with something that I didn't initially like. Put it that way. Ah, okay. This, this post, by the way, this feedback slot, yeah. it's just it just means you have to answer more listener questions. Well, like I say, so some of them are supposed to be sort of comments and things, oh, but okay. I just because I'm going through it live and I haven't triaged it, I'm right. just, just the first ones I'm he's seeing. I mean, all the comments saying. are like, oh God, why did he put up that karaoke video? Yeah. Or like, James yeah, Isabella. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, 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 he's I'm filtering all those. them out. Yeah. yeah. I will say that uh, Gillian, the FX artist who uh, who listens to us and who works on House of the Dragon, would like to point out that she was in no way responsible for Paddy Constein's fingers not being CG'd in that particular uh, yeah. episode we discussed last week because it wasn't apparently flagged as an effect shot so not mm. her problem wow so, you're never wow. to blame never to blame mm. never to blame uh, but fair I think you know it's all good by the way House of the Dragon I think in real time is reaching the um, like episode 5 isn't it? it has an incredible ending to episode 5 and then the time jump 
Yeah, that's just saying. That's right. Yes. So, so, hang, so is it? Is it five? So as we go out with five ads, or will six so. have had? No, I think five goes out on Monday when we go out. I'm pretty sure. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's quite the big one. But again, it's like that's a bittersweet pill to swallow because it's like yes. time jump and then you lose Millie Alcock who is to that point the best yeah. thing in the show yeah, so she's brilliant. yeah it's a shame uh, okay right I guess we've run out of time for that since we've already been going for 45 minutes uh, let's call a wrap on this week's post bag which Boyd is rebelling against already uh, if I think you it want, needs a rethink if sure. you want okay yeah. if, you, if you want a feedback on the post bag section please, <laughs> God, please send your thoughts on, do you know what do you know what make this simpler if we just li- restrict it to a single platform because the thing is, I'm, I'm flipping between Instagram and no, Twitter. No, it's Twitter. It's a Twitter thing. Oh, yeah, right. just do it on so, Twitter. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so from mad. now on, please just send them via DM to Twitter because it will make my life easier. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I don't have to flip between platforms. So do that. He can't flip. Yeah. Okay. Do send to us at Pilot TV Pod uh, via DM and we'll pick it up there. Right. Let us have this week's guest, I think, at this point. Uh, Ema Kenny may play Karen Perry's flatmate in ITV show of the same name, but she's also the writer and creator of the show, adapted from the Valmet Timber books, uh, creating a kind of police series built from feature length installments, which is reminiscent of the good old days of Cracker and Prime Suspect. And she stopped by to talk to Boyd. Hello, Ema. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Total pleasure. Um, now, I saw you at the uh, screening and launch of Karen Perry a few weeks yeah, ago. Did. Um, how was it for you? How was it to see your, I mean, you know, you've written the script, you're, start, you're in it, you play a key role in it. How was it to see the finished product up there on a screen in front of an audience, etc.? It was quite overwhelming. Um, I've seen it about, I mean, I think I've seen every episode about 50 times because I was really involved in the edit and everything. But so I felt like I was watching and listening to the audience more than I was watching the show. Um, But it was so gratifying to hear laughs at some funny lines and gasps at some shocking moments and feel the tension build where you want it to build. So that was, that was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it got a really good reaction, and uh, I, I hold my hands up. I was I was bowled over by. It, I have to say, I thought. Oh, was, that yeah. is that is fantastic. I love that reaction. <laughs> good, good. And I mean, it struck me that I mean, you're doing a very difficult. This is a very difficult thing you're doing because you're adapting uh, much loved books by Val McDermott, the Queen of Crime. Um, <laughs> you you have to there's split timelines in the story um yeah. you know it begins in the 90s with the crime and then you know, flashes back flashes forward to the present day roughly to went to the reopening of the case you're introducing a main character and all her colleagues it's, it's a lot to deal with how did you approach the whole script writing element of it from the beginning well i can't lie to you it wasn't easy <laughs> it was um it was a real mountain to climb. Um, and it, on top of all of that, it was my first show that I led as a writer, having written on other people's shows and acted in other people's shows. Um, and it's the first thing I've ever exec produced as well. So I was sort of learning a whole role as I did it. Um, but my approach was to be respectful to these two big brands that I had to work with, which was Val McDermott, the Scottish cream of crime, and then ITV who make loads and loads of crime um, to kind of understand that that those were the umbrellas I was under, but then 
my mantra through the entire process was cool and fresh, cool and fresh, cool and fresh, because I wanted to bring something new. I wanted it to feel distinct. I wanted it to feel um, like it would stand amongst that that canon, but um, feel quite 2022. Um, And that, that was difficult, but it was just a case of sort of sifting through what worked and then holding on to what resonated with me and also kind of working out what had never been done before. So working out, watching a lot of other detective shows, looking at all of the really popular female detectives in particular throughout the past sort of 10, 20 years, and then kind of seeing where the gaps were and seeing what about Karen can fill those gaps. And I think there are a lot of things that's why she appealed to me. Um, So yeah, that was my, that was my way through it all. Because yeah, you're right. There's a phenomenal amount of crime drama on TV. I mean, there are literally like two or three, sometimes four (laughs) new crime dramas every week. Yeah. Um, So, and and yet this does feel fresh and different and that is kind of extraordinary. And I'm trying to put my finger on how it's almost like the way you introduce her, Karen, from the start, yeah. As being a very human, kind of flawed, funny person yeah. um, in her interrelationships with her interactions with her flatmate played by you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it can't, so it does, it, it, yeah, it does kind of feel different. And, and I think you, did you, did you also tell yourself to avoid, did you have to avoid all the cliches of the crime drama? Because I, I, when I watch a new crime drama these days, I, I always think of a touch of cloth. Did you ever see a touch of cloth? Yeah, I was actually yeah. I was in an episode of it. Oh, amazing. I, a, I mean, I was in like a couple of scenes. I played a girl who went, a, a police officer who went missing or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But I, I, I loved that show. Yeah. 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 No, I know what you mean. So they, they skewered all of those tropes and cliches so brilliantly, but I, yeah, I, I, so almost every crime drama I watch now, I think, is this a bit touch of clothy, but you, this one yeah. felt totally untouch of clothy because it felt real and authentic and different. Oh, that's good. That is good. Um, no, I was very aware of the tropes because I do love crime drama and I watch a lot of it. And I was aware of the sort of thriller tropes as well, because we're working with world productions who are amazing, but they do Line of Duty and Bodyguard and these massive shows. And again, it was an, another thing that I was really aware of not recreating, just tr- not trying to sort of go with something that everyone thinks works, trying to go with what I really think I want to watch. And I, I looked at stuff like... Um, it wasn't out when I was writing it, but when we were filming it, certainly, I think Mayor of Easttown came in and had that warmth and that humour amongst the dark storyline. Um, and then we had unusual references like Miss Congeniality for Karen, which I think was really helpful because it, it, she's just a brilliant character and she felt felt different in that kind of rom-commy, frothy genre. So it was just finding things that were unusual and then avoiding, as you say, the um, particularly for me was avoiding the sort of detective with a dark past or deep fighting demons or an alcohol problem, all of that, those kind of things. Because although there, that's been done brilliantly, it wasn't right for Karen. And um, I don't, I think it's fresher it, this way where she's kind of got an, a new mountain to climb, which is the fact that she's underestimated rather than something that um, sort of skeletons in the closet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It does remind me of going way back to the days of Prime Suspect. To, yes. you know, not only, but like thematically, obviously she's a woman in a world of men still in in this yes. police force now in 2020, 
too. Yeah. Um, but also in in in, in the structure because that I'm pretty sure that Prime Suspect was in two hour chunks, wasn't it, or at least like feature length episodes, and this is in feature length episodes as well, which is quite unusual to get. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely I went back and watched that first series in 1991 of um, Prime Suspect, which I loved. And I was um, really surprised and kind of depressed by um, the subject matter because it feels like it could have been made today. Um, And because it's about a woman struggling with a male dominated environment. I was a little bit worried about kind of making something that felt similar in a way because I thought, surely it's moved on but I I think sadly it hasn't um and yeah when ITV suggested because it wasn't my idea to do it in two hour chunks I I pitched it as hour longs uh but when they said can you do it in ITV two hours so they're 90 minutes films um with advert breaks um I was I couldn't really get my head around it at first um and then and then I thought about Prime Suspects which is was exactly the same format and it, and it was serialized so it wasn't the kind of you know endeavor vera two hours it was the the one's case across a couple of episodes and that gave me heart because i felt like it would immediately align it with jane tennyson and that iconic show um and also actually when i wrote it it gives you so much space for character and comedy and texture which normally would get cut not by <laughs> me or the director usually by producers and commissioners um because you have to get to plot 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 so people keep watching so sometimes when I watch it I think my god this is long but I have seen it 50 times (laughs) so hopefully I mean (laughs) yeah it totally kept the pace up it totally worked the 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 first episode that I've seen yeah I can't wait to see so is it two or three of those per story it's three episodes right yeah yeah. it's a lot and I have to say I think the third is the best episode oh wow Wow. And that's and I I was really aware of the fact that we've also had a bit of a history recently on British TV of quite well actually on American TV too quite disappointing final episodes mm. Mm. <laughs> and it's because they're really hard yeah um, and so I was so aware of making it satisfying and I I honestly truly with my whole heart believe that we've done it so I'm most excited for people to see that third one. Does um does dialogue come come naturally to you? Because I feel like the dialogue in this show and other shows you've re- you've worked on is very naturalistic and yet sl- kind of heightened enough for it to be quite funny. Sometimes is that something that you knew you were good at? When did you realise you were good at that? I, wa- I I have wondered whether it's I'm an actor. So, um, what I, I mean when I wrote on other people's shows, I found it very easy to um, write in their style because I felt like I was almost acting as them and um and another writer who I've written for is Lenny James who's also an actor um amazing actor um and his dialogue's unbelievable um so I do wonder if there's an element of that coming to it but I'm also just really fascinated with people and and I I found it really hard during the pandemic to write because I love just listening to how people talk on the bus and um I love that's where if I'm stuck with something, I just want to go out and hear people talk and how they really speak. And I think that's probably why I'm an actor as well. Um, But I think the key to it for me, and it's I've had it in my head right back to the days when I used to write on EastEnders and E20, was um, I really just want to make the person who's reading the script laugh because it's so boring reading scripts (laughs) when you read a lot every day. And if you can make someone chuckle, they'll keep turning the pages. And I kind of think the same about drama is that life is funny 
And if you can put a bit of wit in it, it just feels more real. Um, and that was something that Mayor of Easttown, I think, really cracked. And I, I think American TV does it really well and they just put wit into character. Um, sometimes with the crime and thriller genre over here, I think we can get a little bit too serious and it doesn't, these characters don't feel as full. So I always try and find what what that character finds funny and what they don't get and what's what, who's laughing at them. And that kind of thing, that makes me, that's the stuff that gets me through the long hundred page scripts, to be honest. Yeah, I bet, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because um, Karen is Riley funny right from the start. As soon as we meet her, isn't she? She's got that thing. That, that's yeah. That's yeah. that was. She is in the book. She's it, she's yeah. funny, and then I kind of wanted to run with that and give her, um, yeah, a, a wry sense of humour throughout. Um, she's she's kind of always one step ahead of the game uh, with everyone. And in terms of casting, did you get involved in the casting? Did you? Because Lauren Lyle is in, in the lead role is just is just instantly. You kind of instantly believe her, don't you? And I wonder how hard it was to find her for the role or whether there are lots of other options. Yeah, no, I was really involved in the casting. I think being an actor made me um, really want to get involved in, and the director and the casting director were really open to that. So we worked together on all of it. Um, and the good thing about um, Karen is that she's quite young. And so it meant that we were quite able to cast someone who wasn't a big star yet because I think it would have been quite difficult to find a massive Scottish star who was that age. So ITV were quite open to casting exactly the right girl. And um, Lauren, we came across Lauren because Simon Heath, who exec on Vigil, um, had seen her in Vigil and and watched some rushes where she was fantastic. And um, he sent some over and said, this this is who I think it is. And um, we watched them and it, it was pretty instant. But when I heard her reading my lines, I mean, I think we talk a lot about um, actors who have chemistry with each other. But I think another thing that's really important is writers and actors who have chemistry when their writing works in the, in the mouths of those actors. And, uh, and I, I, it was as soon as I heard Lauren's Karen, I couldn't write her in any other way that didn't sound like her voice. Um, so she's just, yeah, she's brilliant casting and I, I can't imagine anyone else playing her. Uh, it was, sort of feels like it was almost, this version was sort of almost written for her now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's 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 spectacular. I also love Chris Jenks from, um, yes. from I, I very much like his sex education, but he is so good as this lovable doofus character. Oh, he's, he's, oh, he's perfect. And he was a real late one. We didn't find him until just before he'd auditioned for another character and he hadn't auditioned for the mint. And so we we were we a couple of actors that we'd we'd kind of gone down the road with them and then they dropped out for now we couldn't make it work. And then Chris's tape came in and I was like, oh my God. Because he, he brings a because when when the mint on the page could be a little bit laddie quite stupid a little bit unlikable and what chris brings is this real earnestness <laughs> that's quite sweet and likable and it's really different to karen so whilst he does have lad tendencies he he's just taking things quite seriously and he's he's not stupid he's just he think he thinks a little he thinks in straight lines when karen way ahead of him <laughs> yeah and i like the fact how he kind of seems to seems to deal with whatever karen throws at him like you yeah. know he just kind of takes it in the yeah. spirit of whatever you know i'm just fine with it really i think yeah. that's so interesting yeah yeah, yeah. There's, there's a moment in the car where 
um, they've just come out of a really scary interview where they've, they're both kind of nearly shitting themselves. And um, Chris just added a little thing where he just puts his hand on his pulse on his neck and starts breathing. Oh, and that's it, great. He just goes, sorry, I'm just waiting for my heart rate to come down. And I was just like, oh my God, that's brilliant. He's a genius. He totally got that, that got that role and just went, went for it. That's fantastic. We have to talk about the bum bag. So, oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, this is a brilliant booth costume design or whatever. And it reminded me of, you know, the, the rucksack in Unforgotten. Do you watch, if you watch? Yes, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is, was that in your mind that you you needed a thing like that? It just works. It just seems, because it's like, it's almost so uncool that it's cool, isn't it? That, that Karen wears this rucks, this bum bag at all times. Yeah. I mean, this was the genius of the costume designer, Leslie. She came in and she said, um, I think we've got to think what, is going to be iconic here because every detective has a kind of iconic thing they wear. Um, and uh, she was saying, what could it be? And we'd kind of, we'd been talking to Lauren about how to make her feel unfashionable because she's very frumpy in the book. And it's quite difficult to do frumpy on screen in a way that feels different, that doesn't feel like the same old ill-fitting suit that lots of de- detectives on TV have. So we were kind of trying to work out how to make her feel um like she doesn't care about her appearance, but also sort of make her accidentally still quite watchable. And um, we came up with, we sort of decided she'd be very practical. She'd only shop in outdoor shops and then came in the Patagonia bum bag. And as soon as soon as Lauren had it on, we were like, oh, that's brilliant. Cause it feels quite young because lots of young people are wearing them. It's, it's almost like she doesn't know that. <laughs> and it, yeah. it it feels different, and it and it and it's uh, it just works, yeah. So yeah, people um, wear them. Young people wear them across the chest. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she wears it as it's supposed to be. Yeah. And I think she would be baffled by wearing it across your body. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Now you are in the show as well um, yeah. as as River um, Karen's yeah. flatmate. Were you ever tempted to, to try and go for Karen though? Would you know? Why Ooh. not? No, because uh, my Scottish accent would never have been good oh, enough. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, no, um, I, no. We we uh. We we knew we had to cast Scottish because there's an amazing like wealth of Scottish actors and they had to be cast like you know because they just bring a sense of authenticity to that voice. Um, I did think about playing Belle the podcaster though for a bit. Oh yeah. Um, but um, in the end, when I met Lauren, we just got on so well and we had exactly the same sense of humour. And the scenes with River, uh, they're quite sh- sh- short scenes, and we just wanted them to feel like warm and funny really quickly so that they wouldn't. Um, you know, kind of fade into the background, and so so it went for that. And we and and a great actress called Raki Thakwa came in and played Belle, and I'm so glad we cast her because she's really right and has this. She's got this amazing black bob, and then Lauren's got this blonde bob, and it's like battle of the bobs. When I go. <laughs> yes. so yeah, I'm really glad about that casting in the end. It's very clever to have the podcasting element in there. And was that because obviously, I mean, that is definitely not in the original novel because the original novel came out decades before podcasting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when at what point did you start to throw that into the mix? Was that there from the start? Did you have that element there from the start? Well, my big question when I was approaching the book at the beginning was, why is this case reopened? Because it is a cold case show. And I think in the book, um, it's just that there's a case review that is reopened because in the police, that's what's happened. And I think on TV, just it just needed a bigger kick um, to kind of kick it all off. A kick to kick it all off. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Good talking, Ema. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, 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 and I felt like nothing felt as 
now as a true crime podcast and it felt strange to do a cold case thing without in some way touching on the phenomenon of true crime podcasts and there was a character from the second Karen Perry book who's a journalist called Belle and I really liked her because she's sort of passive aggressive and catty with a smile and I felt like there was a lot of humor there and she her and Karen are kind of opposites so I pulled her from that book and put her in this one and gave her a podcast because every journalist has a podcast now <laughs> yeah true every every person has a podcast <laughs> that's true yeah. 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 yeah I mean I've got two so um, <laughs> there we go uh, yeah exactly have you watched Only Murders in the Building which obviously yes had, I yeah. have yeah yes I have I loved it yeah I love it yeah. it's such a unique show it's so um funny and quirky and weird <laughs> yeah but the way they use the podcast element reminded me a bit of the way you do as well just because yeah. it just adds to the whole it kind of adds to almost kind of self a, a kind of extra level of clever insight i think into the whole oh that's good i mean it's a real cheat because it means you can talk directly to the audience <laughs> so, but but and also it is quite tricky because sometimes you think i always when i in my eastenders days whenever you had anything like facebook you you, you couldn't actually use the word facebook so you had i think right. it was like mates gate on eastenders <laughs> and it was a sort of fake version so I, I always want i always worry about sort of creating fake media things that they don't feel quite rooted and real so you have to really dig in yeah. At one point, I was. They were saying you should write the whole podcast, and I was thinking, um, "Wow, no." I mean, yeah, <laughs> that would be. You should release the whole podcast. Yeah. I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I mean, it'd be an amazing marketing device. To be oh, fair. I know. Yeah, maybe. It'd be brilliant. It'd be absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, would you like this to? Um, obviously, it's, it's out of your hand. But would you like this to be an ongoing thing that you're? You know, you. Well, I mean, there's scope for it. Yeah, there's there's six books and Val's written another one. Um, so there's definitely scope for it. I, I'm just really excited to see whether people like it and whether it goes down well. And yeah, I'm just, you know, I've been working it for four years. So as soon as I see how people feel about it, then um, we'll go from there. But um, there's definitely there's definitely possibility to do more, yeah. Well, because you should say that Val is absolutely thrilled with it. Because I, I, in fact, it's, it's weird how long it has taken because I did a round table with Val last year this time yeah. last year for the Edinburgh yeah. TV Festival. And she yeah. was saying, oh, the version of Karen Peer is brilliant. I'm so pleased with it. And it'll be coming out soon. And we thought, oh, that meant that autumn last of last year. Well, <laughs> like, well yeah, no, we did. We we thought it was going to come out in January, but it's it, they pushed it to now, I think because they like it. And, and you know, autumn is that is big drama time. So um, we have been waiting <laughs> for a while. And I, my worry was I don't want it to sort of fit, like, you know, with the podcast element and stuff, you don't want it to feel like someone else has done it before or like it's less relevant. But I think it does still feel um, very rooted in the now. Thank absolutely. God. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Um, well, I think it's, it's you've done a brilliant job. Um, congratulations. And I can't I can't wait to see the rest of it, by the way. So, yeah. I need to oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited for you to see the final one because, I mean, I was crying at the monitors when we were filming. Oh, this. wow. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, there's some great performances in there. Brilliant. Thanks, Ema. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Ema Kenny. Should we move on to news? We've already covered the Emmys, so that's probably all of news. <laughs> yeah. Did anything else happen? I've got non-news. Do you want some non-news? Always. Give me the non-news. <laughs> none or none? None-news. She has none-news or non-news? Non-news. All right. So it's kind of newsy, but it's not really. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd like to bring something. Yeah, go on. Um, Tantalising. What's happening? Doctor Who's centenary episode's now got its name revealed. Do you know about this? Have you already talked about this? Go on. It is called, stand by, The Power of the Doctor. Yes, and it would be good if I'd known that when I interviewed Jodie Whittaker for this month's Empire, but I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Now, is that groundbreaking, do you think? 
to me it seems quite I like the title really yeah okay because um yeah I just there's something I really like about that title I don't know what it is it's I guess it's like because this is this is her last episode um it's a regeneration episode it's also um uh got all Daleks and Cybermen and the master in it this has all been confirmed by those it's not spoiler information um so yeah I think it, it just makes sense that it, yeah the power of the doctor what does that mean in mm. this context yeah I'm, ex- I'm excited I mean I was excited enough already obviously yeah yeah oops okay so that was the first bit of non-news um I mean, that is news when, I don't know why you've been calling it non-news well I wasn't sure it's not like yeah I suppose for the Whovians okay fine um so the other bit of news is, is season four of Succession the last one? Well, according to Brian Cox, a.k.a. Logan Roy, um, in terms of season five, no one's contracts have been renewed and they don't want to overstay their welcome like billions. That's past its sell-by date. Ooh, his, yeah, no his, yeah. Um, yeah, which is on its seventh season now. So it might be over, guys. This might be, we might have to just lap up the next one and that's it. I think that uh, I'm pretty sure that um, when I interviewed um, people for the last series of Succession, mm. that they all, a lot of them seemed to suggest that five seasons was going to be the kind of, um, they shouldn't, they definitely, like, there's definitely a general agreement. They don't want, want it to outstay its welcome. But I think they'll go, I think it'll be five. I'd be surprised. I think they should, four. And I think the, the, the contractual thing is, I, I feel like that's like a slight red herring. I don't know if that really, I mean, it's not like that. they're not going to sign up for another season. I can't remember any cast member going, oh no, I refuse to go back and do Succession, the greatest program ever made. Um, one of them. So um, I think it will be five is my, I'll be amazed if four, if it ends at four, four is like a, it's a, quite a rare number of seasons to end at. Whereas five, I think, is quite a more, more common. It just feels something. Just feels more of a natural way, a natural. Period and that of time. rounds up my non-news then. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not I'm, no reflection on you. I'm more, that's I did read Brian Cox's comments. Yeah, yeah. Which, and interestingly, he did have that little dig at billions. Yeah, but he doesn't care what he says. Brian Cox. Is I brilliant. love Brian Cox. Yeah, he is fantastic. Yeah, he um, remains. He's the, fab. Yes, he is among the best Cox for this year. Yeah. Oh, he should go. Yeah, sure. definitely. He should, yeah, definitely be in the future. He's definitely among the two best Brian Coxes as well. Yeah, definitely among definitely, the two best. Yeah. You know, they, I, I'm sure I've said this before. We introduced them at the Empire Awards one year. We had both Brian Coxes in one room, yeah. and they shook hands, Fantastic. and the universe didn't implode. So, wow. Do you have a photo of it? I think we do. Yeah, I think oh, we captured it in camera. We were filming at the time. Cox we, squared. We, we exactly. <laughs> Literal Cox akimbo. Um, <laughs> so, Paper Girls got cancelled. That surprised me. Yeah. Because that, that was, was interesting. That was yeah. good, and it felt like it was something that was. Is actually... that the one about the um, girls delivering newspapers? Yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised by that. You didn't like it? <laughs> no, not really. But I don't no. think it was for me. No, a few Kardashians in it. Ugh, look at his patron. Look at his smug patronizing face. When he delivered that peak, listen, you can't see this, but he literally just pulled this smug little face at me and almost like gave me like patted me on the head. But, yeah, but it's it's got like a fantastical sci-fi element to it, which is kind of like your kryptonite, isn't it? A little bit. Ironic also, I just I don't know. Yeah, it's I, definitely not. Kate. Again, I based it on the first episode. I thought the first episode took a little while to warm up for my liking. I agree with you. I have to say, and um, I'm quite, I'm only surprised. <laughs> I, I'm not as a I don't I didn't think the show the first episode was that amazing, and I, I liked it kind of more towards the end of it. Um, but the but Amazon being that ruthless, Prime Video mm. being that ruthless. Because critically, it was very yeah, well received. Yeah, it did get good reviews. And yeah. it got a lot of, I thought it got a lot of kind of fan, yeah. fan appreciation on social media and stuff. But they've got, I guess they've got to be more and more if they're spending like a gazillion pounds, dollars on the fucking Lord of the Rings thing. Then mm. poor Paper Girls. Yeah, what would called? you rather lose, James? Paper Girls or yeah. The Rings? 
Well, there's no, I mean... Definitely lose paper girls. Yeah, exactly. They're never going to lose the rings because it's cost them so much money. We're going to get at least like 20 seasons of that. So, mm. Talk uh, about outstaying, it's welcome. Yeah, well, quite. <laughs> there was talk, though, as there always is with these shows, of the someone else taking the taking it. That's true, yeah. yeah. So it is potentially being shopped potentially. about. So it might, yeah, It does so. happen, and that mm. does happen. But equally, you know, like they said that about But isn't it normally the other way around? Like a network will have something and they'll get shopped to streaming rather than Amazon will have something and then shop um, it to, I guess, someone else. Yes, that is more common, but I still think, in, yeah. The OA is still a sore point for you, isn't it? I can tell. Yeah. Oh my God. Because Netflix will yeah. never give that Without up. Without doubt. It's the sorest yeah. of sore points. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm. No, there is no sore point. He regularly brings it up at the desk. You're suddenly like, you know. <laughs> 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 Where's this little obsessed. black armband? Oh, yeah. Okay, Steady. what's that about? Yeah. OA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bosch himself, Titus <laughs> Welliver, will be playing Lex Luthor. In season four of HBO Max's Titans series, a fact that I knew because he told me oh, when he came to the Bosch Legacy premiere. What I quite like is a lot of the pictures of Titus for this have been the ones against the pilot TV backboard, which were taken oh, at, the, at the Bosch Legacy thing. So that's, that's quite great. nice. Uh, but yes, he did, and he showed me some pictures. That's why I already knew that. Uh, but it's exciting. Great bit of casting there. Um, <laughs> the way he said that was brilliantly juvenile. I am in many ways always brilliantly of course, juvenile. But it's rare that you get. Like a full, you know, tonal summation of oh, your you. juvenility. I feel like he's gone into full smug mode. I am. I'm yeah. feeling quite insufferable today. Yeah. I, the can fact that I can apologize. only see his little eyes and yeah. Head <laughs> that's what it is. I look like a Chad. Do you remember Chad? Yes, I look like are. that. It's just my little bald head. Yeah. You can just see it peering over the desk. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, should we talk D23? Talk a little bit about well, this. You'll have to talk. Okay, so. Uh, First of all, and this just missed last week's podcast in that it was before we went out, but after we recorded, which was Iman Esfandi is going to be playing Ezra Bridger from Star Wars Rebels, and he is going to join Rosario Dawson in the upcoming Ahsoka series. So I would be more excited about that if I cared about Rebels, but uh, the blur blur, as we call it, just <laughs> on this one special podcast <laughs> are not things that I really follow. So sorry, Iman. <laughs> um, but what else? Um, Tales of the Jedi got its first trailer. Yaddle is back, Kay. Are you excited to see Yaddle back on screen? <laughs> Extraordinarily I you are. excited. I bet you are. Love a bit of Yaddle. Mm. Yaddle Love of course, me some Yaddle. Yaddle is the girl Yoda who appeared in The Phantom Menace. <gasps> uh-huh. yeah. yeah, I am She's kind basically of Yoda with a ginger wig. It's quite uh-huh. random. Uh, what else happened to D23? That was a great big Marvel panel, which had lots of film, filmy stuff in, but it had, uh, they talked a little bit about Iron Heart, uh, which being is produced by Ryan Coogler. That's exciting. Uh, Anthony Ramos was confirmed. He's going to be playing The Hood in Iron Heart. Uh, what else we got? Some more to, a Werewolf by Night. Did you watch the Werewolf by Night trailer? No. No. So this is a very random, almost like an old style B movie horror short special presentation call it what you will that's part of the MCU this has got Gail Garcia Banal in it and Laura Donnelly and it looks weird I'm not entirely convinced it looks weird but it's different and so I it's not a series no it seems to be a one-off Halloween event oh, but it's not a film either it's yeah. a special presentation yeah that's weird yeah the cast of the secret invasion is amazing I did notice that yes and I like the secret invasion trailer as well I've read the whole secret invasion arc in the comics which mm. I really like as well though the Skrulls are very much the villains in that and the Skrulls have been kind of goodies in the MCU so far so mm. I, I'm quite interested to see how this one plays out but it features Kobe Smulders Don Cheadle Samuel L. Jackson Ben Mendelsohn Olivia Coleman. Mm. Amelia yeah. Clark, Kingsley Ben Adir off the OA. Yeah. That is a good cast. And that is a phenomenal cast. It is a good cast. And that's so, going to launch in tw- next year. 
That's right. And then Armor Wars is coming. That's been unveiled. Don Cheadle's going to be in Armor Wars. I think that's set to start filming in 2023. Don't know when that's airing yet. And then there were lots of films. Off as the Echo, which is another Marvel show, which is coming. I think uh, Vincent D'Onofrio turned out to talk a little bit about. Maya Lopez was there. She obviously plays Echo. Uh, Loki Season 2. Uh, Kihoi Kwan is going to be short round and Data from the Goonies is going to be in Loki season two which is exciting and that's uh, why we have that picture of short round with with Harrison with Ford Harrison because Ford they met he's, he wasn't, yeah. he's not in the new indie he's, no they just which met I did while think I assumed he was in it when yeah. I first saw that picture but he's not but that was a lovely picture uh, and then Charlie Cox was there to talk about Daredevil Born Again as well, which is going to be 18 episodes long, lest wow. we forget. And all the way through, it's, look, I, it should come no surprise to anyone that I'm a massive MCU fan and I love all this Marvel shit, but I got to the end of the D23 thing and rather than excited, I've got to be honest, I just felt a bit tired. <laughs> and overwhelmed. A little overwhelmed because I was just like, there is so much mm. of this stuff now. And while on the one hand it's good, on the other hand I feel a little bit like it's it's not quite a chore but it feels a little bit like it takes away some of the. It's a little oversaturated. The same thing they did with Star Wars, and it feels like like the events of the movies now feel less eventful because it just doesn't stop. Like there's never a point really where there's no new Marvel content. Mm. It's like show, 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 film, show, 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 film, and it's just it's. <laughs> what is it like? Show, 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 doesn't peak and I wonder whether over time that's going to be a problem yeah you're going to get fatigue yeah I've got, I'm, I'm, fatigue. I don't have Marvel fatigue yet but I see it on the horizon and that yeah. concerns let's me let's monitor the situation I think I do have it yeah. already so, yeah. well yeah I mean I'll keep you posted Kay I'll keep you, keep you, <laughs> keep you informed on my Marvel fatigue we'll see how <laughs> whether it goes it's really good, whether it's going to be film 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 show 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 film, film. <laughs> uh, boy do you want to tell us about Tadum what no, you don't. Okay, no. fine. Well, they revealed the Tadum lineup. Did, did they? you not see this? Oh, yes. I didn't know. They've revealed Sorry. their Tadum lineup. I've seen it. I think this broke today. So, oh no, yesterday. Let's have a look. So, what have they got? Tadum being the new the Netflix. The Netflix. It's Netflix like Netflix's is D twenty N twenty three, if you want yeah. to call it that. Yeah, it's Netflix's big event yeah. that they do. Their presentation to Dumb, uh, and what's going to be uh, Netflix's promise appearances from Bridgerton, Emily in Paris, Shadow and Bones, Squid Game, Stranger Things, The Witcher, uh, Enola Holmes Two, <laughs> The Witcher. A James trying to get stuff. some voiceover work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Show, I show, think show, I've show, already show, done show, 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 film. <laughs> uh, in fact, show, 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 film kind of pretty much sums up the Tadum right. list. So that's, yeah. uh, that's exactly what it is. I don't think I've been sent the Tadum list. Yeah, I'm just, no, I'm I not. Did, I what have they got on there? Uh, the Three Body Problem is on the list as well. That's exciting. That's uh, Benny F. Weiss, who obviously did Game of Thrones, based on the science fiction uh, novels of the same name. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Tadum. This takes place on the 24th of September. We'll see what they've got installed over at Netflix. So, good stuff. I'm just there for the Vikings Valhalla and the Witcher Blood Origin, obviously. So, Obs. Of course. Obs. Of Obs. course. Love a bit of Blood Origin. Uh, any other news before we move on? Well, I mean, I just promote videos and that's their, um, their stuff that they're doing in New York Comic Con 2022 live panels on the Legend of Vox Machina or Machina? Machina? Yeah. yeah. Good Omens. Next series, yes, the Wheel of Time. Forgot about that one. Show, 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 show. <laughs> Film. <laughs> uh, Wheel of Time. Uh, you know the the classic meme of you know the girl looking at the guy who's looking back at the other girl's ass. Yes. You know, they, they, yes. someone did a brilliant one, which is like the girl with the ass is rings of power. The guy is yes. Amazon, and yes. the girl looking askance is the Wheel of Time, which has been soundly forgotten about by oh, Prime Video. I mean, it was such a kind of amalgam of things we've seen before, though, wasn't it? But it was like it was like, yeah, this is a big fancy series, and now they've got Lord of the Rings. Like, oh yeah, it's just a show that. We have. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm interested in the peripheral one. Yes, uh, yes, Chloe know, Moretz. Yeah, mm. Chloe Grace Moretz, Jack Rayner, yeah. um, Tania Miller, J.D. Field. Yeah, so that that's, looks interesting. Um, the series centres on a woman trying to hold together the pieces of a broken family in a forgotten corner of tomorrow's mm. America, Kay. Sci-fi, Kay. Cheery. William yeah. Gibson novel. I mean, that, that's he goes big, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that Can't wait to go to watch it. It's going to be great. I mean, I zoned out, sorry. (laughs) Deep sci-fi, big sci-fi. Yeah, love a bit of deep sci-fi. Yeah. So that's good, that's good. The Witcher Season 3 is wrap production. Just throwing it out there. We better end news there, otherwise Kay will literally drop off. Well, no, all I'd say is I've got very much a dead leg situation going on. Oh, yeah, well, you're, trying to, you're trying to raise yourself above the table yeah. level. Okay, fair yeah, Raise yeah, yeah. me up. Right. You, yes, you raise us all up, okay? I'm going so to I'm gonna have to go lower, sorry guys. I'm going to have to go... Whoa, okay. Fair go low or go hard. Mm. Okay. Okay. Weird. Don't know what's happening. Right, yeah. let us move on then from what is laughably called news to uh, the reviews section and first up this week we have honestly what might just be the most stressful TV show of the year so far which I barely got through because of that uh, I refer of course to the BBC's Crossfire which stars Keely Hawes as an ex-copper on holiday whose break is kind of interrupted to deadly effect when masked gunmen attack the hotel she and her family are staying at gunning down people indiscriminately <laughs> where she tries to find her kids this is not an easy watch mm. At all. Oh, super stressful. No, super stressful, but it's great. Because, I mean, first of all, it's going to make you rethink any future holidays you have. I would argue also looking into your travel insurance. Because, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, because that's that's the takeaway from this, be insured. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, No, but it is super stressful. And I think it's fantastic for that because it makes you think, I mean... What would you do in that situation? Because it's all about... So, sorry, going back. Keely plays Joe, the ex-police officer. She's on holiday with her husband, Jason, played by the great Lee Ingleby, and their kids, and also her two best friends, their partners and kids. They're just relaxing, having a nice time. Um, And as you say, James, these gunmen uh, randomly start shooting at people around the swimming pool. And then it's like, from that moment onwards, you are going to be so tense Mm. um, on your sofa, like... Because you, it's just this thing of like panic and chaos and like, you know, trying to find your family, your children, where are your children? Like, should you leave someone behind? You know, should you help strangers or do you just concentrate on saving your own lives? It asks so many questions and like the, the main one being what would you do in that situation? But I think also what's really interesting is that, you know, then they go into the hotel and they're not safe there because for some reason, these terrorists, they decide to go into the hotel as well because they're so determined just to kill everyone. And then it's like this cat and mouse, super tense, adrenaline filled um, game of like, yeah, they're just picking off people at random, et cetera, et cetera, in these dark bowels of this hotel. So it's really good for that. But also there's this subplot um, which involves the marriage of Joe and Jason, which I'm not going to go into, but just suffice to say, there's a twist towards the end that, um, yeah, it's a bit of a rug pull. You don't expect it. And that adds a further dimension to this whole thing. But I thought it was great. And I, what I really loved about this is you don't often see Keely in a sort of, as the lead of an action thriller. You know, she's like, you know, I mean, we saw her in, what was the one where she played the... Bodyguard? No, is it the bodyguard? Yeah, bodyguard. She yeah. was in bodyguard. Obviously, line of duty as well. Yeah, of course. But I just feel like this is really her. You know, and spooks. In her, in Lest her we element. forget spooks. <laughs> yeah, but I really feel like this is her in an element, and mm. it's really refreshing to see that. And also, I think it's really re- refreshing about how diverse this cast is, and it doesn't feel taken. I thought it felt natural and didn't feel like you know a box ticking exercise. No, it felt organic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think this is really good. The way they ran- ratchet up the tension, and I'm desperate to see the next episode. Have you two watched Hotel Mumbai? 
No, yeah. but I want to. Yeah, it's the Anthony Morris film. This was, oh God, what year was it? I'm looking at 2018. Yeah. But this, this, I mean, this plays out very similarly to that, where the unbearable tension is when everyone is basically hiding, just trying not mm. to be found by these guys just slowly roaming the halls with guns. And obviously, Hotel Mumbo is based on an actual mm. true event. And I think that that's the thing with this. This, this is fictionalized, but it, it felt real because this thing happens. This mm. thing has happened. Yeah. This thing will quite possibly happen again. And there's a there's a creeping dread aspect to it of it where they're just everyone sort of like holed up with their families and they're just sitting there just hoping that they won't be discovered and just murdered in cold blood. Yeah, they're blood. sitting ducks. Yeah, they're right? sitting ducks. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to try. And there's that that decision, that awful decision. Do you make a run for it or do you stay where you are? What's the greater risk? You know, what do you do? Yeah. Do you hide or do you just run and hope for the best? And it's all the usual things of like, will your phone suddenly go off? Oh my God, yeah. Silence. yeah. And you're like, shit. It's just, I just, I honestly, I found this almost unbearably tense to, to the point where I will not watch another episode of this because I what? just don't think my oh, nerves God. can take it like it was just too Come much on, take some rescue remedy no Come on. it was too much it was too much for you like it's really really good but on the one hand there's a part of me that's just like with the world being the screaming bin fire that it is at the moment I know this shit goes on I don't need to watch it play out like I just like it's too much do you know what you need a dose of Virgin River. I thought you were about to say uh, you need to keep up with the Kardashians. I thought that's what you were going to say to me because <laughs> that's not what I'm going to with the Kardashians. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, mm. it was like, think, maybe Boyd? my constitution isn't strong enough. Boydie, was you? Did you? Well, did you find this? Or yeah, it is very very tense. I found I went to the screening of this and where there was a Q and A afterwards with with Keely and the writer Louise Doughty has written it. Who it's her first TV um, uh, script. She wrote the book that Apple Tree Yard was based on, which was a really good. Oh, did she not write the script for that no, as well? No, she didn't. No. Oh. Um, so this is her first TV script. And um, I thought it was absolutely riveting and um, incredibly tense. I agree with you how, about how tense it was and all of that. But what was interesting at the screening was, I did feel like there were, I know for a fact, there were some people who were there, some TV critics who didn't like it. And really? Who, yeah. For what reason? Um, I think they thought that it was a bit, they thought it was a bit exploitative of um, that kind of, I mean, you said James Hotel Mumbai, that, and you said this is fictionalised. This is a completely fictional. Yeah, that's thing. what I'm saying. It's, so it's a fictional yeah. story, but yeah. it's obviously inspired by the fact that this shit has happened numerous times. Well, sure, but I, I think so. I guess the, so the sense I got, exploitative is a big word, but I think people felt it was a bit like, a bit, I don't know, um, uh, a bit much to focus so much on these guys with guns and then have very manipulative kind of storylines involving the characters into relationships, shall we say. So, you know, like, I think, I, I know what they're Why getting at. No, what? Well, in the sense it. that, so the creator of the show is kind of, you know, almost dropping certain storylines and um, twists, you know, you can almost sense like her kind of, you know, enjoying and I'm not saying, that this is not my opinion I feel like this is what these critics were getting at the people who didn't like it were getting at that there is something quite manipul manipulative about it in a way that you can see her pulling the strings but actually I thought what was so good about it was that you didn't think, you, that I was immersed in it and, 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 and it is incredibly tense and it is scary and I believed in the general gist of exactly how people responded and what they did most of the time. Um, so, yeah, I'm not agreeing with it. I think it's it, sort of that... ridiculous because that's what TV shows are and, you know, writers yeah. are manipulating our emotions all the time. That is the basis of what a TV show of course. is. So, like... But I think sometimes, I think for some people watching this, they'll feel like they can sense that like quite strongly that they're being manipulated. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think it, so. I think it will split. I, 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 actually, having said that, I think it, I was more surprised how much it did split 
um, the people who were at the screening, who, you know, I was like DMing certain people, no names. Um, they were famous as well. They, no, 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 they weren't famous at all. No, no, just TV, TV writers, people who write about TV who didn't like it. Um, so, but I did really like it. So I was surprised. That's, that's my point. My, my point in the end is I was surprised that, that, that there were, there were some doubters there. But I think in general, this will be a, a show that people will find riveting and scary and intense, intense as well as tense. And I think it is really exciting. I mean, my my I, I I'm you know, but I'm a person who likes exploitation stuff anyway. It's like you know, sort of precinct. In terms 13, of TV, yeah. In terms of anything, TV, film, anything. Yeah, I mean, you know, f- f- films and shows about a situation where people are shooting each other, and you're tense because you could get killed at any point. I I enjoy that kind of stuff. You have to you know, you have to admit that it's it's not something that I I would take a moral stance against. Mm. Whereas I think some people were feeling it like there was almost taking a moral stance against, which I think is yeah, I don't I don't agree with. So. I think it is really exciting, actually, to see Keely Hawes wielding a machine gun, you know, walking, stalking through the corridors, because she is, you know, she's the woman with power in the situation. They make it believable because she's an ex-cop in it, so you kind of can believe that she actually, she would be someone who... Well, there's that conversation, where one of the hotel guys, do you know how to use a gun? And she's like... Yes, I yes, do. Yeah, exactly. Killy Hawes is John McClane yeah. in Crossfire. <laughs> right, exactly. And they deploy another character as like a medic, you know, a doctor. They def- there's definitely, you could definitely um, kind of take apart this script in the sense that oh, it's all very handy that these people were there among the people who we were following. Although, you know. yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, again, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just saying, but I can see why people might take against it. But I really enjoyed it. Bottom line, I and unlike you, James, who couldn't, cannot sit through any more of it, I will, like you, Kay, ha- very, I'm very excited to sit through the, the second two episodes, mm. two and three, which I haven't seen yet. Um, they are putting it all out in one go on the iPlayer, I believe, from when it launches on Tuesday. Yeah, I always think, I, that, I almost think that's better just to be able to to go through it in one. Yeah. And so I think, oh, yeah. I think oh, like, yeah. it's that rip off the band-aid, go through the whole thing Completely. rather than stretch yeah. it out oh, yeah. over so they're, sh- they're showing over three consecutive yeah. nights and yeah. they're making it available on That's better. Get the trauma done in yeah. one yeah. go. I think yeah. it would So work. how many episodes is it? Three? Three. Three. Yeah. Okay. So you I think, could right, get through three, that. I could get through maybe three. three. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Because you don't want you want to know how they. The I other, do want to know how it the ends. Thing we it is really good. The thing we didn't mention is the other thing about the the whole the, the show, which makes it is it uh, it does have the flashback. Flash it's timey wimey, isn't it? It's yeah, timey wimey. Yeah. It, it but, mm. but it does it very well, yeah. and I think quite boldly. There's one bit where there's an incredibly tense situation. It builds up, builds up. Is yeah. someone about to be shot, and then it goes to a quite a long flashback, like a lasting. I don't know if you remember. It's like six, seven, eight, ten yeah. minutes, maybe even, and then it brings you back to yeah. that. And it, but it works because it begins it with the shooting kicking off, yeah. and then it. Flashes back, yeah. and I quite like the almost like the almost Rashomon approach to it, where you've got the like you see a very heated exchange, but you don't understand the yeah. context of it because you're seeing it as one of the friends, as an observer, and then mm. you experience it again later on as one of the people in the exchange. So and you're initially like, okay. discombobulating. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. you're like, okay, now I know it. what's going on here. Yeah. Why? Where I thought that uh, Lee Ingleby was being a bellend, I'm now certain he's being a bellend, <laughs> but I at least understand why he's being yes. a bellend. So yeah. yeah, you understand his bellendry. I understand the bellendry mm-hmm. in. You know, which is kind of my personal brand. Anyway, so that is Crossfire. And boy, this airs on BBC One. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yes. Nine o'clock. Uh, right. Also, this week, we have the ever-excellent Diane Morgan going maximum partridge as Philomena Kunk, following up her exploration of the British Isles in Kunk on Britain, with a deep dive into the whole of humanity in Kunk on Earth. Boyd. Mm. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> have you not watched? First of all, have you not watched the Kunk show before? I've never heard. Oh of my Philomena god! Philomena Kunk. However, wow. however, 
being the professional journalist that I am, I went to the Wikipedia page yeah. and found out that the character originates from Charlie Brooker's yes. Weekly Wipe, a show I've never seen and have barely oh heard God. of. Uh, and, uh, wow. yeah, obviously I know Diane Morgan from Motherland. Yeah. One of the, be- one of the best ace. things in Motherland. She is ace. This obviously uses that classic formula that obviously Partridge uses a lot of, that Ali G used a lot of, which is the, what if someone interviewing people was a fucking moron? Uh, and it's like, it's tried and tested. And honestly, it's a formula I do not particularly enjoy. You I find surprise it me. And surprise me, stupid. And also, but, but, in the way that Partridge is very cringe humour, this, to me, didn't feel cringe. And I think part of the reason for that, to my mind at least, is like in Partridge, he's the... He's just very Alan. But the people he interviews are often just quite discombobulated by him. Whereas I actually found what works with this is because obviously, you know, the people that she's interviewed kind of roll with it a lot. So the comedy doesn't feel cringe. It just feels funny. And a few of the lines in this properly made me laugh out loud, yeah. like genuinely laugh yeah. out loud funny. Yeah. So it is that kind of like faux stupid thing, which I gen- genuinely hate in can most just, comedies. Can I just say, Alan Partridge does not interview real people. No, no, I know what you mean. I know, but, but what I'm saying is they weren't <laughs> they were real actors. people. But they were what, characters. Yeah, I get that. Okay. But the people. dynamic between him and the interviewees I felt was very uh, different where okay. they would be very much like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like they would react to him as if a real person would react to being interviewed in that way. Mm. Certainly that was my experience. I didn't watch loads of Nobody no, Like You. But the ones I watched, okay. I found that. Whereas in this, I found the fake interviewees, as they are in this, just rolled with her a lot well, more. I don't think they're fake. So that's they're the difference. Not. They're not yeah. fake. They're real people. They're real James. people. They're real I don't believe that. No, 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 they are. They no, are, they're honestly. real people. But, they're, they're, like, really, but they're, they're, they're not, they're not, I mean, they're expecting, it's not like Ali G. Where... No, shall I tell you why? I think that's because she's done this for so long that they probably have seen this before. So they, that she goes into it, I think, I, I read up on this because I yeah. haven't seen lots of her stuff. I mean, Kunk is oh, amazing. I didn't know this. This is interesting. That she interviews <laughs> these experts, yeah. legit experts. Um, they know it's kind of a comedy Thing, but they don't realise what she's going to say or what can it, so a lot of the time I the reaction is real some of them yeah. like play along with it but some of them the, when they're aghast in this they are actually stunned yeah. by yeah, her yeah. stupidity you've completely not did I miss this <laughs> I mean look Hulk, in, you, got, in, you got Partridge wrong for, for, no no <laughs> I knew I know they're actors in Partridge I know they're actors in Partridge you know but I think part of the reason you know who we're dealing with James Kunk and you can be as loosey goosey with that K as you want I was about to say I'm fairly certain it's a T but <laughs> but but no but like so Alan Partridge like, I think because obviously they are actors they are acting I don't think don't double down on it now just abort the mission no no seriously this <laughs> oh, was my thing Lord. with this like I felt that, that they run with it but that's really interesting now full disclosure I watched this while painting a ceiling so <laughs> so absolutely absolutely true I had my iPad on oh a chair while I was painting a ceiling I was oh repainting a ceiling I had to do many coats of, coats of emulsion and so I, I listened to <laughs> rather than watched a lot of it <laughs> Okay. Well, if you yeah, so if you followers of Kunk will know that that going back to um, when she was part of Charlie Brooker's Screenwipe series, that's yeah, that's how the the the, um, the character developed. But then when she got her own shows, it was definitely like she was interviewing. She was quite, sometimes quite famous, you know, people, famous scientists and mm. um, cultural historians, etc. But I think what is interesting about the show, and I wish there was a there was a um, a screening of this with a Q and I wish I'd gone to it because I am fascinated by the fact that what's different about this series. And I think you've seen quite a few previous series of Kunk. I've seen, I've seen yeah. some, yeah. What felt did feel slightly different is that the people she was, certainly in this first episode, the the um, experts, the historians um, that she was meeting, the professors, etc., who I believe are real, very much so, not actors. Didn't um, know that. Yeah. Um, they're kind of, 
they're not famous and they're kind of all quite earnestly nice, mm -hmm. lovely people, as yeah. academics often are. Um, and her questioning is hilarious, but they kind of, you know, they, they do kind of go along with it mostly and respond mm. to it in a very civil, as a civilised way. This is what I said. Well, no, 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 you're right. In the Ali G sense, it's Ali G is, is the correct comparison. Forget the fucking Alan Partridge thing. But Ali G, yeah, Ali, it happened with Ali G quite a lot. But these are, but these are people who sit, who I think are, and this is totally my own interpretation, happy enough to be on as a TV expert. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's not a nice thing to do for these people. That they're kind of like on immediate on a, on a kind of level of they're, they're they're happy and they're happy to be interviewed by this absolute idiot I've, who is saying the most stupid and ridiculous thing. I've read being... an I've read an interview with oh, her where she said that um, they obviously they they film long sections with these experts, so yeah. she warms them up with relatively yeah. normal stuff, right? And then she goes into this right. batshit crazy oh, stuff. Right. So she, I think that's I think yes. that's why you get to yes. you see them so relaxed and. But yeah. I, they're, just, they're so British about it, where they're just yeah. terribly yeah. polite and Completely. don't want to say yeah. what are you talking. Yeah, there's about? one bit where she starts talking about her top legs and top top <laughs> arms. Oh my god! Yeah, and the, and the person's professional interview. She goes, "Yes, yes, you're right." He goes, he goes, or hands and feet as we call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and there are loads of lovely bits like that. There's yeah. one, but what I think, because I think in previous, I haven't checked this, but I think most previous Kunk series have been like short form, quite short film, like 10 yeah, or 15 I so. minutes. I, th I think this might be the first half hour. I don't know. I should, I should check that. But in, it really works. I thought it was hit, unrelentingly funny and hilarious, bottom line. I, I mean, funny. I love the character anyway. We should say the series is that she's attempting to tell the story yeah. of human civilization covering yeah. history, science, yes. culture, and religion. Yeah. So there's a, there's a feast, yeah. a cornucopia of stupidity. See, but it takes in... It's it, when she's trying to explain what anal bleaching is to some kind of historian. <laughs> yeah. And and genuinely, now knowing that that's an actual yes. historian and yes. not an actor, now yeah. I'm cringing retrospectively yeah. Yeah. in a way exactly. that I wasn't while painting my ceiling. Yeah. But this is the biggest of her... Um, um, projects so far definitely and in fact it's actually interesting it's a BBC Netflix co-production mm. which I think so you can, it's got like she makes fun of and it is making fun of those lavish hugely ambitious documentary series where someone fronts them often you know people like Brian Cox not the actor the other one you know and there's they're going back into I think it's you know this is kind of almost pastiching those big 70s and 80s like Civilization was you know a huge series back in the day and it's kind of that's where it's kind of the whole thing of her having to be put position of an expert on nothing and presenting the most ambitious thing about the universe and history and science and culture and religion is intrinsically hilarious. Mm. And the bigger it gets, the more she does one, the one shot, she's standing in the middle of a gigantic, vast, mountainous region and there's a big pullback <laughs> to reveal. All of that is even funnier because it is bigger and more ambitious in scale than yeah. anything she's done before. So it's like it's working on multiple levels because because she, she yourself comments on you know the fact that they're spending a huge amount of money sending her to all these places <laughs> and it's funny but it's even funnier that they're doing it in this spoof pastiche show so it completely worked for me I have to say I thought it was absolutely phenomenal and um, I know that Charlie Brooker and his team of writers have been heavily involved um, as they always are in kunk stuff but it feels like more time and love and effort has been spent on it than any of her previous things um, so yeah I thought it was fantastic yeah this is pure joy <laughs> You've said it in a much yeah. long-winded spiel. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you very much. Even I found it funny. There you go. That's my wow. poster quote. And you didn't even understand what was going <laughs> and on. And I didn't know what was going on. because And you got the completely it, wrong premise and concept yeah. of it and yeah. you still enjoyed it's it. It's even funnier now, you know. It is it. even funnier in retrospect, but more, I would say I would say this is an excellent, if you are painting a ceiling at any point, this is an excellent accompaniment <laughs> no, but to, to fair, ceiling it's not, painting. It's not, you know, about the physical comedy with her. It is, yeah, so you can, I think yeah. it should have been, you know, if you'd said to me it originated as a radio series or something, I could believe that, you know. Yeah.
Well, she was just a talking head, effectively, on on those first on on the Charlie Brooker Screenwriter series. That that's what she was. Yeah. Mm. So I mean. And yeah. rightfully got her own yeah. show, more yeah. airtime. Yeah. Well, Kunk on Earth airs. Boy, when does it air? Yes, Monday, BBC Two, 10 o'clock. Monday, BBC <laughs> Two, 10 o'clock. Excellent, excellent. Finally this week, we have Karen Pirrie, which you have already heard about from its creator. But this stars Lauren Lyle as the eponymous Karen, who is drafted in to solve a 20-year-old murder. Now, I've got to be honest, Kay, I was going to try and go with some kind of Karen Piri Piri hot mm, lemon and herb yeah. Nando's gag, but I just, I'm too tired. I can't person, do it. James, I'm just, did you like it? What do you think? Did you enjoy it? The show. All right. The I show. Think, I think do you enjoy, how do you like your Nando's, Kay? Like, tell me. I thought you meant your proposed uh, pun. I was like, mm, not mm. so much. I'm a chicken pitta medium man myself. Just, well, you know, just Oh, no. Herb, herby all the way. What do you go? Herb. Herb, yeah. Yeah. Herb. Lemon and herb, honestly. Um, yeah, weak, weak sauce. Weak Literally. Sauce. Literal, literal weak sauce, yes. Did I like this? I did like it. I liked it a lot. I think in terms of the crime, so, I mean, we should say that um, Karen Peary is a detective who's put in charge of this, an old case that's been reopened and... Um, which he's trying to solve, which is the murder of a young woman. Um, there were three suspects at the time, so there's a, obviously the requisite, like, flashback, flash forward, etc. Um, and she's trying to get answers. And the reason why, what I like about this, right, so it's a pretty standard crime um, and crime drama in that respect. I haven't read any of Val McDermott's books. I'm sure they're fantastic. But for me, what elevates this is, um, well, two things. First of all, there, there's this crime podcast element, right, which is why the case has been reopened. And um, that's why Karen is heading this up because they feel like the police feel like sticker woman mm -hmm. as the face of this classic um, that should take some heat off them. Um, so I, I really like that because obviously the com social commentary because it's very true, but also about the the podcast device because the way they take off the that genre of crime podcast is just so accurate. And amusing to me. We should say that Raki Thakra yeah. plays the very smug <laughs> podcast host. Oh my I god, it's like looking at James. <laughs> She's the female equivalent of you. Um, just, and, just struck you. Yeah, it just yeah. struck me. Um, and she is basically the thorn in the police police's side. Much like she, myself. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Just a, a nuisance. <laughs> um, but ultimately, she's quite helpful because her intensive research comes in use. Um, but I just think the way they do that, you know, her the plinky plonky theme music, the very melodious um, tones. I just thought I thought it was really smartly done and a good device. Um, and also, the second brilliant thing about this is the main character Karen Peary herself, played by Lauren Lyle. Um, she's singular, straight talking. Um, a no bullshit detective, which I like to see, female detective. And she's basically fighting for her place at the male dominated table while wearing a bum bag, which is <laughs> something I salute and now want to buy. Um, so, yeah, I think it's to me, it was a bit long at two hours. And I don't understand this need for everything to be three episodes length I mean I would like to just spread it across a few more episodes because this is old school isn't it Boyd yeah like this is properly old school I think it's the first yeah I mean I haven't again I haven't checked but it's definitely rare to have three two hour ITV two hour with ads episodes of a show with one continual story mm. so there's, there's sorts of examples there's loads of you know the, the ITV has its 8 o'clock Sunday slot which this is in 
And most of those shows, which have two-hour crime drama episodes, are self-contained stories. Yeah, like Ridley. Which, like Ridley, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, McDonald and Dodds we've had recently. So this is unusual in being one story played out over those um, those three two-hour episodes. And it does go back to Prime Suspect. Prime Suspect had that format. And, she, and, and as you heard in the interview, um, if you kept that bit in, uh, that, that um, she was very much heavily influenced by Emma Kenny. It's very much heavily influenced by influenced by Prime Suspect. So because it does, it recalls it thematically. We still now a woman she's a you know a woman thrust into this world of men the police force is still run by men her boss is a man and her rivals if you like for promotion a man etc and she, there's the shot in the lift where she's surrounded by men which mm. is which recalls Science of the Lambs Jodie Foster's character is a famous shot where she's standing in the lift surrounded by all mm. the men so she's a lot of it is commenting quite rightly that, that, that you know nothing's changed really some things have changed but, and, and yet at the same time nothing's changed so both format and um, thematically it mirrors that I think in terms of just drama and character characterization and in in the writing and performing I think it's up there I really, I think this is genuinely special <laughs> um I assume it's one of those shows where I often say this about dramas um, where you know within about the first five to ten minutes whether you believe it, the world of it or not. Like yeah. Ridley, to to I'm slightly unfairly compare it to Ridley. Ridley, which was the the ITV crime jazz. drama, jazz drama. I didn't believe a word of it from the first second. Like, no. and you can put you enjoy it. It doesn't necessarily matter. You can still enjoy it. But this. I do think Amy Kenny has just done such a brilliant job, and the directors, in making this a believable, authentic mm-hmm. world. Not only the crime, I agree with you, the crime's interesting and feels non-exploitative, and, you know, the, the, the victim is a woman, a young woman, but it doesn't feel like, you know, one of those things where it's exploiting that. It, it just feels authentic and real. But then as soon as you meet Karen herself, she's such a brilliantly believable character. Mm. So well performed. And kudos to ITV. They could have insisted on have a star, a big star name in the lead role, you know, but no, they didn't, you know, um, she's, uh, Lauren Lyle has been in a few things. you know, Outlander be- right. and Vigil as well. Vigil she was mm. in, but in, in, you know, Vigil yeah, supporting role. she's not an unknown, role. is she? No, and that's how she got the same production company, World, World Productions, um, as Vigil and Nine Legion Bodyguard. But it's, it's brilliant casting. She's an authentic Scottish young woman playing a Scottish young woman. Um, I love Chris Jenks in it, who you recognise from Sex Education as her absolutely brilliant doofus of a partner who she's kind of, he's thrust upon her. Mm. And the two of them are working, uh, are basically reopening this cold case. And he's like, every scene you think he's just arrived from the gym, you know, just kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of, he is so authentic and believable and funny. He's really funny. He is brilliant. And he's, he's like Jason Murray, called The Mint, as in Murray Mints. Yeah. There's, there's brilliant use of um, nicknames <laughs> on it. Good foil for her. Good foil for her. Um, you, it just all feels like you believe in it. Which mm-hmm. is, so you've got the storyline's really gripping and compelling. You really want to know who did it. It's got resolute twists and turns. Um, you know, by the end of the first two-hour episode, lots happens. By the end of it, you're like other. There's other things that develop. Other crimes develop. Genuinely, you don't know which way it's going to go in terms of who did it or not. You've got the podcast element, as you quite rightly mentioned. You know, which I mean, only murders in the building is all about making fun of a podcast about crime. This kind of does it a little bit... It's, it's quite it's more it's subtle, quite, isn't it? It's more subtle, but it's still kind of making fun of her, the podcast presenting in an amusing way. I just think it's... I think this is a genuinely, thrillingly good example of crime drama. And, and you know, if you think crime drama as a genre, is there's too much of it. And there is, because let's face it, every week we're reviewing another one, aren't we? Sometimes two, right? <laughs> in the same week. But this shows that you can still pull off something really different and special. In, in whatever genre. It's just all about the quality of the writing and the acting yeah. and the directing. This scratched my unforgotten itch. 
yeah. Uh, yeah. In, a, in a quite a strong way. And I realized, it made me realize how much I've missed Unforgotten. Like, I want more Unforgotten, and I'm very interested to see where that show goes. But yeah, this this had a lot of that in it. As I've never read the books either. But yeah, she's a really compelling central character. The setup is really interesting. But, you know, the... And, the end, like, there's obviously a rug pull at the end of the first episode, uh, and there's a there's an inevitability to it. Like, you can you can kind of see where it's going, but it's to its credit that even though it might not be what I'd call massively surprising, it's still suspenseful and it still un- unseats you a little bit, mm. if not shocks mm. you. Uh, and I really like that. And I I think she she gives great interrogation, yeah. but understated interrogation there's a bit where she's having a, a slightly tense conversation with Alec Newman who played uh, Paul Atreides Mwadib in the uh, sci-fi Dune just in case you didn't know that um, of course yeah, yeah absolutely but there's a bit where she, and he drops a line she's like did you did you have a, a relationship with this guy and he was like I'm gay like as if that's the mic drop moment and she just doesn't miss a beat <laughs> and goes straight back in there and I was like it's really good because she has this slight slightly hangdog thing going on but like it's a really understated she's not an aggressive interviewer but she's dogged and astute and quite incisive yeah she's uh, no nonsense she no, takes no shit she takes yeah. no shit <laughs> absolutely that. takes no shit uh, yeah I think I think she's really good uh, I enjoyed this a lot that was great yeah yeah. very yeah, good fantastic Karen Perry then which is on the ITV but is good nonetheless and boy <laughs> when, unbelievable when is it on Sunday <laughs> 8 o'clock <laughs> Sunday at 8 o'clock uh, what else is out this week obviously oh, Andor yes. <laughs> which we have not been able to talk about sadly but Andor comes to Disney Plus on uh, the 21st Wednesday, Wednesday the yeah. 21st um, what else have we missed um, there is um, Savage River. Yep, on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Thursday is, the 22nd. Yeah, which is a crime drama starring mm. Catherine Langford um, as... Of, of 13 Reasons Why fame. Yeah, 13 Reasons Why fame. Um, uh, I don't know that much about it, but it uh, looks quite good, actually. Yeah, but it was embargoed, so we could It was embargoed. Uh, Ghosts is back. Ghosts Season is back. 4 on BBC One on yeah. Friday. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris Hewitt and I are two of the biggest fans of Ghosts um, we did a spoiler special I think last year for the last season it's brilliant that it's kind of, kind of ongoing continuing returning comedy because it's a fantastic show do you like the American version? I haven't seen the American version but it's a huge success it is yeah. it's a massive success which has never happened yeah it's like the number one I think it's the number one like um, network comedy mm. in America this year which is I'm so pleased for them because that's fantastic that the, the creators of the show have helped make the American one a success as well Yeah. Um, so yeah that returns on Friday uh, Ghosts um, Thai Cave Rescue is a drama about the same case that Ron Howard recently featured in his film 13 Lives but it's a series focusing on how the Thai youth soccer team um, ended up in that horrendous cave situation in 2018 it's like a I think it's like a six part drama dramatising that thing mainly from the telling the telling the stories of the of the the members of the soccer team that's mm-hmm. the focus of that I think to make it to, to show how different it was from that um, there's probably other stuff but I haven't got my copy of my magazine to make sure plus everything was slightly up in the air because of the death of the Queen um, which affected a lot of schedules and it, stuff. Did, but, it did it did for some yeah. things around oh, um, so for example like this week should have been uh, this England starting the Boris Johnson drama mm. that's going to other, to next week yeah which has been moved to next week so hopefully we'll be able to review it next week we will yes Yeah. now this is going to be a tricky one what's your pick of the week Karen Perry for me, without doubt. Three very good shows. So you went straight yeah. in for Karen Perry. Yeah, I, love I, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but they're all good. Yeah. All three of these shows are good. Do you know what? I'm going to because I've needed a laugh recently because it's been all quite intense. I'm going to say Kunk. Mm. Yeah. Massive kunk. Okay, yeah. good. You good, are a massive kunk. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kay. Uh, God, what would I pick? Oh, 
that's really difficult, actually. They're all brilliant, though. They right? are, all, so... but they're very, they're good in very, very different ways. I might just throw out Crossfire, even though I found it so incredibly <laughs> stressful, just because from even a, you can't watch it, even though I'm finding it hard to watch because genuinely, but but it shows the power of that mm. series that mm. I found it so incredibly difficult to watch and was not able to paint a ceiling while doing so. So you know, that's 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 that's, that's put high the, praise put indeed. Put the paintbrush down. Yeah, I put the paintbrush down for Crossfire, not for anything else. Uh, right, that is it for this week's show. As ever, we are receptive to your five star ratings on Apple Podcast or the pop platform of your choice. Those of you who experienced the die cut last week, again, I apologise, would probably warn you against following me on Instagram at James C. Dyer, but you can still find Boyd at Boyd Hilton and Kay at Kay Ribeiro. Uh, next week, well, as we mentioned, there's a lot going on, so not only will we be able to talk about Andor, but Kenneth Branagh will be going full bojo in this England, and Jeff Bridges is reinventing himself as an action icon in The Old Man on Paramount+. And that's not all, because Bridges, the dude himself, will be on this very show to talk all about it, which is very, very exciting indeed. White Russians all round. (laughs) So until then, man, pile it out.